Heavenly Father, today we put on the full armor to protect us against attack. We put on the belt of truth to protect against lies and deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts from the temptations. We put the gospel of peace on our feet to walk in your light, peace, and freedom with the Holy Spirit. We rebuke anxious thoughts. We take up your shield of faith for protection to block and destroy all the darts and threats thrown at us by the enemy. We put on the helmet of salvation to cover our minds and thoughts, reminding us that we are children of a mighty king. We are forgiven, set free, saved by the blood of Jesus. We take up the sword of the spirit, your living word, that has the power to demolish strongholds and is sharper than any double-edged sword. We come to you, Lord, in prayer daily. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. What's up, you guys? Welcome to The Imagination. I'm your host, Emma, and today we have a very special panel event episode featuring two targeted individuals, aka TIs, who have been working overtime to expose electronic warfare and mind control as prominent whistleblowers in the TI community through books and blogs, podcasts, and more. Introducing Ron Allen, author and writer of the book, 21st Century MK Ultra Slave, A Vintage Transhuman Tale, Tracy with Freedom Protocols on Substack, and me, your host, Emma. This is going to be a very special episode as the topic of targeting has become more and more widespread and more and more survivors and victims are coming forth and whistleblower whistleblowing their experiences. I chose two guests who have two very different backgrounds and experiences and who have stepped up to be on the front lines of exposing this terrifying torture being inflicted on callous individuals all around the world. Gang stalking, V2K, directed energy weapons, and other forms of remote torture are proven to exist. It's society who has been slow to catch on to this being a reality. These covert forms of torture are not only debilitating to those experiencing them, but because this abuse is essentially invisible, victims and survivors are left oftentimes with no help, no support, and no ability to prove that what they are going through is actually happening. I've heard countless times from TIs that when they decide to reach out to to get help for any kind, they are abandoned, called crazy, and gaslit back into silence most of the time. And because they are left in 24-7 pain, discomfort, fear, and terror, working a normal job or living a normal life in society is often impossible. The other problem with this type of abuse and torture is because it is so covert and often done with different forms of electricity, there is no one known cure or way to stop what is happening and victims can end up up with excruciating side effects such as burns and burning sensations, rashes, full body pains, wounds, continual ringing in the ears, tinnitus, brain fog, trouble thinking, and so much more. Today, you are going to get a comprehensive understanding of targeting from two amazing survivors and whistleblowers who have lived through this abuse for years on end and who have been on the forefront of researching and exposing why this happens, who it happens to, and solutions for victims and survivors to get relief. Although there is not yet a cure for targeting, passionate individuals like Ron and Tracy who are getting us closer and closer to having answers one day, one book, and one article at a time. I'm so honored to have this fantastic guest panel featured on today's episode, and I ask you put whatever you're doing away and give these brave whistleblowers your full attention. One thing you may not know about targeted individuals is that many of them are in so much pain moment to moment that they are unable to do something as simple as a podcast. 
To have two TIs on the same podcast is groundbreaking in its own right and something we should all definitely be taking advantage of learning from and sharing with others. These two incredible survivors are giving a voice to hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of TIs all over the world and are two people that I treasure. Before I finish introducing today's guest panel, I wanted to give just a couple reminders and updates. If you'd like to be on the podcast as a guest or share any information with me, please email me at imaginabetterworld2020 at gmail.com. You can also use this email if you'd like to be a part of my new book series featuring written survivor testimonies, and you can find the video with all the details on how to submit your testimony on any of my podcast channels. And lastly, I'd love your support on Substack, where I'm taking up investigative journalism as an outlet to personally share about my own experiences podcasting and my advocacy work doing um, anti-trafficking and anti-SRA advocacy. And you can subscribe to me there at www.emmacatherine.substack.com. All of my links are in the show notes and I'd love your support across all platforms. You guys, thank you so much for caring so deeply about survivors and for helping to make the imagination, the safest space on the internet for survivor and whistleblower disclosures. So you guys, without further ado, please help me in welcoming today's guest panel of honor, Targeted individuals, survivors, warriors, and voices for the voiceless, Ron Allen and Tracy. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hello, hello. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Where I'm at. (laughs) Yes, I appreciate you both jumping on here with me. Um, Like I said in the intro, it's this is an ever-growing topic, and I think as part of the the, um, I guess, army against perpetrators that we're slowly building one person at a time. You know, I think TIs aren't covered enough and this information isn't talked about as much as, say, human trafficking um, or some of the other types of abuse, domestic abuse, pedophilia. We see all of that mainstream, but yet TIs still get thrown into the conspiratorial bucket a lot more often than some of these other forms of abuse that have gone mainstream. So I thought this would be a cool topic to get people around and sort of do a roundtable, bring in people that have different experiences and sort of talk about it as a group and see, you know, what we have in common, what's different, and obviously talk about solutions and everything in between. So I thought I'd start by having you both introduce yourself. Um, For people listening, Ron and Tracy have both done incredible testimonies on my channel, and I will have those in the show notes. So if you guys want to listen to their full testimony, and I encourage you to, please go click on those episodes and listen. For the context of today, we're going to do an abbreviated version, so that way you guys can get a a little taster of their lives if you're new here, or a little refresher if it's been a while since you've heard those episodes. So Tracy, let's start with you. If you want to give some background information on your life, where you grew up, just sort of the 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 outline of of who you are. Sure. Okay. So um, I was born and raised in Cincinnati. Um, I lived in Cincinnati until I was twenty, and uh, at which time I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and um, this is where I went to school. And um, I lived here for eleven years, and then I got. Uh, took on a job and was promoted uh, to move to Denver. And so I moved to Denver in 2000 and um, adopted my son a year later and uh, stayed in Colorado for the, the, the most of the next 23 years. I did take a short sabbatical out of Colorado and went to live in California for a while. So I lived in Culver City 
and um, for for a few years, and um, and then I met my husband, and I got married, and then we moved back as a family of four. We moved back to Colorado. Um, I was married for for nine years. Um, about five years into the marriage, um, my stepson was killed in a car accident. And, uh, which sort of, I think was like the beginning of the end, you know, for a lot of things, um, for my family, but anyway, so he was killed in a car accident that was in, um, February of, uh, 2016. And then actually, and then a few months later is when a, a big high profile case showed up in the media, which is what I latched onto, um, for a number of years. And I did quite a bit of, um, outreach and, um, I was pretty outspoken about my theories and thoughts on this particular case that I believe was rooted in corruption. And um, this case remains unsolved today. Um, with all of that being said, um, I'll go into that a little bit more in just a second. But um, the reason why I paused a minute ago is because I've always hesitated whether or not to bring this up. But I think in the grand scheme of, of everything that we know to be true today, um, with how technologies are being used to target TIs, I think it's important for me to mention this, whether it's relevant in my case or not, I have no idea. But at the time I met my husband and when I was living in Culver City in California, I was living with a guy who who's worked for a company called NextG that he he started with his brother and his scope of responsibility was to plan and sell 5G towers all across the country to the universities. So when you um, fast forward to six, seven years later, um, when my targeting began, and it's so two of the key people are rooted in military industrial complex and the other one in, in uh, CU Boulder, you know, research, because there's such a strong research theme with the people that were tied to my targeting, I can't help but wonder if that, you know, individual that I lived with at the time, Next G, he um, started Next G, and then they sold it a couple of years later to Crown Castle. Well, Len Bear has talked about Crown Castle on his um, targeted, he has a channel, you know Len, who Len Bear is, right? Len, Len Bear, and um, he has talked about Crown Castle, you know, being the, the mother of 5G, um, whatnot. So anyway, again, whether or not it's relevant, I, I don't know. But so I began to advocate for this, uh, a victim um, for a pretty, um, high profile case that I believe was rooted in corruption. I did that from 2016 um, all the way through when my targeting kicked off the end of uh, 2019. Towards the end of middle of 2019, I did take two on, on two additional cases that were also rooted in corruption and they were local to my community um, at the time. The first one was in Texas. The other two were in Colorado where I lived at the time. Um, so my targeting kicked off as um, is the case for most TIs with what I perceived to be a hacking campaign. You know, it took it, it um, we started getting intruders on the Wi-Fi, you know, on the routers, you could actually physically see it, see them, you know, hacking into the router. Um, my devices, my accounts, um, I kept, you know, I called it a very sophisticated hacking campaign that just couldn't be beat. You know, I mean, there's just any, as soon as I got, had one, um, account of mine hacked into, and I rectified that one and another one and right behind it, right behind it. And things were showing up on my laptop, like, um, drives, 
you know, that were retrieving data, all my files and whatever. So this went on for months. Well, then in, um, uh, I lost my job in November of 2019. Six weeks later, there was um, something triggered, uh, an altercation, a verbal altercation between me and my husband. And uh, and then the, I just hate going through all this. Sorry, it's really hard. Um, an altercation happened in my house and uh, I kicked a door in my home where I lived for five and a half years. And uh, 911 was called and I was arrested, went to jail. I was in jail for three days. I got out of jail and was told I couldn't go home to get a quarter to make a phone call or my purse or my wallet or my coat in the middle of the first snowstorm of the year. Um, But I did. I did try to go home and um, law enforcement had my entire neighborhood surrounded and they were there and they arrested me again, took me back to jail. When I came out of jail five days later, um, I was experiencing tingling in my fingers and um, I was told to go to the ER. I did that, at which time I naively submitted to an EEG and an fMRI of my brain. And uh, about six weeks later is when my targeting went into full gear. When I say targeting, I mean, you know, my head was on fire, the ringing in my ears. Um, it was just just energy, just energy that I didn't even... I didn't know what it was. I started doing research. Um, meanwhile, um, I was being... dealing with a lot of street theater, um, and, uh, and whatnot. And, um, I was at this point living in hotels. I couldn't return to my home and, um, fast forward a couple months, my home went up for sale. We sold, sold the home. It was either the day of, or the day after I'm sitting in the hotel room. It's like 1130 at night. And I hear a crash on the wall, other side of the wall. And then all of a sudden I see a blinking red light on this wall, that wall, the ceiling, like a cat toy, like a laser toy. And I'm like, okay, something, you know, is not right. You know, so I called 911 and, you know, the typical, oh, we can come out there. But if we come out there, you know, you're the one that's going to be going somewhere. Not, you know, they didn't believe me. You know, typical TI thing. Um, I dealt with things like um, street theater, a lot of that at the airport. Um, I dealt with, you know, um, guys in their late twenties, early thirties, um, actors trying to pretend like they're, um, CIA or some, you know, and they're doing street theater shenanigans up against the wall, waiting for somebody to show up, you know, their flight to come in. And when the flight comes in, they went to get them and it was somebody that looked just like my husband they whisked them away. (laughs) And then, um, Those same three, that was at the Denver airport. Those same three guys were at the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky airport hotel. I was staying in a month later, walking through the lobby with um, like one of those things, you know, running out, like to intimidate me, like I'm under investigation. Keep in mind the whole theme of my um, gang stalking, the whole theme of my gang stalking and, um, and the street theater was around the premise that I was being investigated. Cause I, I did, when I say I did outreach for these cases, you guys, I mean, I, I left no stone unturned. I mean, I went into the government, you know, files, Oh, you know, public records. Right. But I was, I was digging up and everything I found, I was putting out there. Right. And so I dealt with a lot of um, fear that they were coming after my files on my um, laptop and, 
stealing things and closing down account. And those things did happen, but it was also to instill that fear in me. Um, there was one time, and I hope this is okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture of like, for me with, with targeting, there's a, um, I believe there, there was a, a people component to it, but also a demonic component to it that he sort of evolved and then black ops and where the, a lot of the things that I experienced could be carried out by people could be some, you know, demonic entity, um, or black ops technology. So for example, the blinking lights, you know, in the hotel room, well, there was another one where time when, um, I had just checked into my hotel and, um, I was walking down the hallway to my hotel room and all of a sudden I hear what sounds like a submarine sound. Like, you know, in the movies, when you submarine is submerged underwater and you hear boing, boing, blah, okay. I'm walking down the hotel, the hotel lobby um, hallway and I hear that boing, boing. I'm like, okay, what the heck is that? I get to my room, I lay down on the bed and the bed starts vibrating. I mean, come on, that's like, that's not people that's got to be. And then the, the vibrating, um, happened once when I was at Chili's again, I was in the midst of being gangs, dealing with gang stalkers sitting at the bar at Chili's. I'm sitting at the, um, at the, uh, booth and the booth starts shaking. Um, let's see, I'm kind of looking at my, looking at my list anyway. Um, oh, and another thing. So, I struggle with is a lot of the stuff that I dealt with on my devices um, didn't seem like it was being carried out by people. Although at the time I thought it was people. Um, but now, because there was some, there was a, an intelligence behind a lot of the things that I experienced, but in hindsight, now I believe a lot of it was carried out by AI. So like, for example, when I was in my car you know, now officially homeless, you know, my house has been sold. I have nowhere to go. You know, I'm living off of the equity, a little bit of equity I had left in my home. And I'm looking and hotels are getting expensive, $80 a night, you know, that adds up. Right. And so I was looking for an Airbnb, pull, do it, had an Airbnb app. I searched for Airbnb. The only thing that pops up is places between six and $10,000 a night. That's intentional. So I can't find a place to live. But is it a person? No, because a person can't think that fast when I'm doing a search on Airbnb to only return. And how could that even happen? So like another another example would be like I um, you got to understand when people are de- targeted and being gang stalked, they're isolated, they're alone, they're scared, they have nowhere to go. Everybody thinks they're crazy. So you can't get any support. And um, and it's lonely. It's lonely and ice. It's terrible. Well, one night I went to the hotel lobby to pay for my next night and um, my card bounced. Um, and I dealt with some of that too, money disappearing from my account. Anyway, the card, the debit card bounced and they said, I'm sorry, your card bounced. Well, I looked down at my phone and there's a definition of home being flashed on my this screen monitor, like home, sweet home, you know, where we dwell with our loved ones, you know, that kind of like that's got to be AI. That's not a person doing that. You know, um, I had had hate messages sent to the navigation system on my car. Um, every time I went to, uh, if I get a text or a phone call and I'd click on my phone, the camera would flash in my face. And I'm just telling that all that stuff sounds nonsensical and silly, 
Um, but, oh, and I, I would go to a store and I'd get out of my car and I'd run in real quick and I'd come out. My horns would be blaring. Windows would be going up and down. My trunk would be doing, you know, that kind of stuff. So again, it sounds kind of nonsensical and silly, but in the, in the midst of it, when it's going on, and as soon as one thing happens and, and it's over, there's something coming right behind it. And again, and again, and again, and it goes on for like 13, 15 months. For me, it went on for about 13, 15 months. And uh, so it's crazy. It's a, it's absolute insanity. Um, Can I ask you real quick, Tracy, too? You, you grew up in a home that, would, that didn't have... Um, I don't want to say abuse because maybe there was a little bit, but you didn't go through something like satanic ritual abuse, MKUltra. That wasn't your background growing up. That wasn't my background um, growing up, although I, I have learned through this journey of what the heck is this on my person? Is it a demon? Is it is it from something that, that a family member did in the past? Am I dealing with a generational curse? You know, whatever. My mom did... And she'd be okay with me sharing this, but my my mom did dabble in some of the cult stuff, you know. Um, Ouija. She had a seance in our house. I was told in this house that I lived um, in for eight years that the house was built over a well where a little girl drowned, and then her spirit came up and became my best friend in my room, you know. So that kind of stuff. But it wasn't SRA or or yeah. Um, yeah. Your background, because there's a lot of targeted individuals who went through government programs. And you, on the other hand, represent the demographic that didn't. And is like, well, that wasn't me. Like, why is this happening to me? You know, I, I thought this happens to people that went in MKUltra, you know. So um, I like that you both have sort of those differences, um, because this does show it can happen to anybody. It's not just one person that they come after. It's not just one gender it's not just one economic class it's not just one part of the world like this is a global thing it can happen to anybody and it does happen to anybody it can happen to the person that grew up in a relatively normal or or healthy-ish environment or it can happen to somebody that you know went through what what ron did and did you have any i didn't mean to cut you off tracy i just wanted to ask you that but did you want to add anything else to sort of your just testimony of, of your life or um did you get through everything yeah, sorry, I sort of derailed from that, <laughs> from my testimony, and I just went right to the detail. But no, that, thank you, Emma. That's You're welcome, and no worries. Did you want to add anything else about, I mean, so since, like, you've started a blog, and you've done, you want to talk a little bit about just your advocacy work, or kind of like what you're working on now? Yeah, um, so, you know, all, all of the the stuff that I experienced and was going through, you know, that went on for from February, 2020 until, uh, um, May of, uh, 2021 and, uh, May, 2021 is when I began detoxing and, um, the very, I got, ended up getting one of those, um, anti-nano buckets and I started doing some super, super, super hot, hot soaks in, in, um, a substance. And I ended up producing black, what I call it, black goo, I guess, in the tub. And, um, from that point forward, it was on, I mean, I just, I, I just did as much research as I can. I came across Dr. Hildy Staniger, who is a toxicologist and works with a lot of TIs and people who have been 
fell victim to government, you know, programs. She helps people. And so I went uh, with a lot of her recommendations and I've just been detoxing ever since, um, through rifing, through, um, diet change, through, um, infrared saunas, through, you know, the whole, whole nine yards. And, um, yeah, I have a blog out there. This, my substack, godsgirl.substack.com. Um, so thank you so much. I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, you're good. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I definitely, all those details are so important. And that was like a big bunch of the questions that people asked. So thank you for sharing some of that. And I know that these lists just go on and on and on. So we'll definitely dive it deeper into some of that. So people can really understand like what exactly gang stalking is and, you know, what, it, what types of technology and stuff. Um, but it is, it's really wild how this is just so prevalent and, you know, it's extreme. Like what you go through it, like you said, it's just one thing after another, you don't get a break from it. Um, so Ron, let's turn over to you. Let's get um, a little recap of your life, um, your childhood, uh, important details growing up and, you know, where that led you to where you are today. Okay. Um, well, I'm um, kind of different in uh, one respect, uh, one major respect, and that is that um, being born in 1953, uh, I was um, brought into the MK Ultra uh, scenario, and uh, you know, my father was. Uh, a uh, pilot and radar innovator, onboard radar innovator. And um, I he climbed real high in his field and he retired as a commander, uh, but more than his rank is his uh, expertise and uh, contribution to radar. Uh, onboard radar and uh, Mr. Lockheed uh, called my father Mr. Radar, uh, and uh, I I have been told and I've come to believe that uh, people don't attain levels of excellence within the government or military or uh, private um, corporations unless. They are, uh, in our government, it's people that are being um, compromised through their uh, uh, illicit behavior and, uh, you know, that they're duped into or that they've got a proclivity for. But um, in, the, in the military and government, they also go after the children. And uh, I first had that brought to my attention in Costa Rica, where somebody that I knew, um, it wasn't connected to the military, or he wasn't, but his father was a scientist, and he did government contracts. And, and this person that I knew uh, was subjected to something, and he could never pinpoint what it was. But he said that uh, he told me that they are after scientists' children. Uh, and we had that in common, uh, although I didn't I hadn't done the deep dive at that point. 
uh, he had uh, by being arrested and all this other stuff that he was going through, and they knew everything about him already. And uh, but uh, he didn't um, realize it, and I, I believe he was MK Ultra, but just didn't know it. And a lot of these things, including TI, you don't know. Uh, nobody's there giving you a ticket or giving you a court date or something to tell you that that's what's going on. So, you know, you don't know. Uh, with me, uh, my first 10 days, uh, my mother uh, reportedly said that she didn't want another boy. I was the fourth son. And um, so... She left me at the hospital. She wouldn't even look at me uh, for my first 10 days. And uh, it was during that time uh, that my MK Ultra uh, uh, training began. Uh, and, and again, that was, you know, when it was uh, just being started itself. The CIA started in 47. Uh, which another one of my brothers who was MK Ultra was born in 47. And uh, uh, in 2005 or thereabouts, I was living in Costa Rica and I started, uh, I had this dream and, um, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a prophetic dream but it was more like a memory dream where i had i saw the doctor that dealt with me as a baby and uh he said he was at a panel like a 1950s laboratory and he said oh no he's woken up and he came over to me and i could tell um that i was a baby uh by you know, perspective or whatever, I'm not quite sure, but I could tell that. And that was the end of that dream. And um, soon after that, I started looking on the internet to see if I could come up with the nurse uh, that took care of me during those 10 days because I wanted to thank her. Uh, I was 50 or in that range at that time, but I thought that, you know, she would, uh, it was possible she was still alive and, and I would like to talk to her. So I started looking on the internet. I didn't find her. I found administrative and, and senior uh, nurses, but I found a, a doctor that was there in the hospital that I was born at. Um, um, the Valley Forge Army Hospital in uh, Pennsylvania uh, was a, uh, uh, they were known for work with people that had um, like uh, the phantom itch when somebody, during the war, somebody gets their arm blown off, but their elbow itches. So they've got this psychology department in the hospital that I'm at, and they're dealing with people coming back from the Korean War at that point. 
and uh, they'd send all the people that had these psychological things going on to that hospital. And uh, MK Ultra, you know, they did a lot of work with children, and and here comes a brand newborn baby, and uh, this. Uh, dream that I had, I as I was looking for the nurse, I found this doctor and I, I looked him up after seeing his name. And sure enough, that was the guy that was in my dream. Uh, he was older, but it was him. And um, he, he died at 100 years old about three or four years ago. Uh, but uh, and he was part of the uh, Oh, what's it called? The um, uh, it's the foundation for uh, fault. No, the false memory syndrome foundation, uh, which was organized by the CIA to confront people who are uh, remembering uh, what happened, what transpired. Uh, in their life as uh, children and so on, because, you know, they're able to close your memory off so that you don't remember that. In my case, I was too young and, you know, those memories didn't stay with me until I had that dream. And um, so um, my brother uh, that was uh, part of the program as well, um, he was born in 47 and um he was born in in uh uh new hampshire or uh um rhode island in providence rhode island where uh my doctor grew up and was working in hospitals at the same time and, uh, you know, I'm not sure when his began. I'm sure it was early on. Uh, he gained weight at one point. And, uh, you know, that's an indication that there's something going on uh, drastic. And that might have been when that happened. And uh, I think he was about uh, nine or something like that at that point. But... Uh, uh, and I would have been, uh, he was six years older than me, so I would have been three. Uh, I suppose it's possible it could have happened the same time as myself. Uh, in 1958, um, I uh, was taken to the hospital and uh, by my mother and separated from my brothers and I didn't know why um and I I was asking her and she said it's because you're too short and uh you know I knew that I was short even at age five but it didn't really bother me so I didn't know why I was going to a hospital to fix something that you know was natural and uh uh, I remember her taking me there. I remember sitting in the waiting room with the head nurse uh, who was like a nurse ratchet type, very stern individual. Uh, and that's all that I remember. 
and then my uh, recurring nightmares started happening uh, where I was running out of a room at a hospital laboratory type of setting and my uh, and I was being chased by a bear that was standing up and uh, and he didn't have a, a snout his it was more flat uh, like a human face and and he didn't have claws he had fingers and and um you know i had this dream like three or four times and um it uh uh it became apparent to me um uh, you know later in life that maybe that wasn't a bear and um i've had situations with sasquatch um uh I don't know if you call it sightings. It was more like hearing. Uh, but, uh, you know, in retrospect, I'm likely to believe that it was a, a Sasquatch that was in my dream. And again, I attributed uh, this one to being a, a memory dream, um, you know, and it was shown to me a few times so that I would remember it being recurring uh and growing up was relatively normal uh i was a pretty shy boy i was um uh, you know hiding behind my mother's dress and all that stuff you know and uh getting together in public uh gatherings but um in 1974 well, in 1973, uh, uh, I was uh, out with a friend up in the mountains, and I saw a black helicopter coming, and uh, we were planting some pot plants, so I thought, you know, that we shouldn't be seen doing that. So I said, let's hide under that rock. And we hid under a rock. And the helicopter came over. We were in a short valley. And he hovered over that rock for like 20 minutes. Uh, you know, you could have tossed up a rock and hit him quite easily. He was so low. Uh, and the next day... Um, I was with a friend and we drove out to a, a rock concert and uh, part of the uh, problem in my life that I also attribute to the uh, MK Ultra is that I spent a lot of my youth um, in uh, intoxicated with uh, psychedelic drugs and uh, uh, you know, addicted to marijuana for 50 years. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, 50 whatever uh, trips on LSD, mushrooms, uh, you know, uh, morning glory seeds, uh, PCP, just the list is long. Uh, but uh, uh, when I was driving with my friend, 
uh, out to this concert in the desert, uh, I heard the helicopter uh, come back and it was right over the car. I could see that uh, when he got low, that the dust was kicked up on the side of the uh, road. And uh, uh, and I was on LSD, a very, very strong LSD. I was never comfortable with the stronger things, but there it was. And I ended up uh, not wanting to go into the concert. So we were on the road for like two hours. Uh, and uh, the whole time I was feeling like I was part of a machine and that uh, you know, I was being controlled and I ended up jumping out of the car, uh, trying to end it. And, uh, my brother, uh, who was also in the program, uh, you know, asked me afterwards, cause I was all beat up by, uh, scabs and, and, uh, uh, not being able to associate with, uh, friends or family, uh, you know, finding other places to be uh, while I healed. And and then I saw him and he was uh, attempting suicide um, himself. He was in and out of mental institutions. And I never really understood what was the problem with him. And he was never able to articulate anything for me. Uh, but I told him, I said, I don't know, when he asked me what it was that caused me to jump out of the car. Uh, none of my other brothers were out trying to commit suicide. Why were we two doing it? And uh, I had heard an argument between him and my mother down at the end of the house, and they came running through the television room where I was sitting, and I was about 13 at the time, so he would have been about 19. And uh, they went into my mother's room, and and uh, she locked herself in her bathroom. And he was outside the door uh, pounding on it, saying, you know, how could you let them do that to me? He said, I know I'm one, and I know Ron is too. And, you know, that took me years of chewing on that because he didn't tell me and I didn't ask. It wasn't the sort of thing that it wasn't a very open family environment. And so um, uh, then he moved up to San Francisco and uh, he asked me uh to move up there with him too. He was always protective of me. And, you know, I um, I was at the bottom, the youngest, and he was in the middle, the second oldest. And, uh, you know, it was uh, something that, you know, getting out of San Diego is, uh, uh, um, I think I was 20 at the time, uh, you know, it was a good time for me to leave, get out of the uh, you know, environs that I was kind of stalled in life and take on a new city and become, uh, you know, adventurous and, and do something different. And, uh, and then two months later, he committed suicide. And right after he died, I started to experience 
sleep and uh, paralysis. And it was uh, an odd thing. Uh, I didn't understand what was going on at all. Uh, and, um, you know, this is the esoteric and technology. Where do they come together? Where do they get separated? Uh, is I don't know, but I do believe that they interact and, and uh, get put together. But um, so um, my um, uh, had a, a new friend. I was over at her house, and and she was fond of. Uh, uh, it's actually uh, formaldehyde um, poured onto mint leaves, and people smoke it in a cigarette, and it's called PCP. And we smoked some of that, and she was in her bedroom doing whatever, and I was in the living room and had to go to the bathroom. And I walk in the bathroom, and I look in the mirror, and it's not me. Uh, there's a reptilian in the mirror. And I've never, you know, back in 1974, you know, they weren't on the cover of Time magazine. They weren't talked about in hushed back rooms. They didn't exist. And I'm looking at this thing. I rock back on my heels. I'm My jaw is dropped. I'm just staring at this thing, uh, you know, and it's got a long snout, um, more like an alligator type of thing. And, uh, and then it realized that I could see it. And I could tell that that uh, happened. Uh, because it flinched. And when it flinched, it became me in the mirror. And uh, I, you know, I, I went in and I told my friend and she said, oh, no, that's evil. You know, don't say that. And so I thought, you know, uh, well, Jim Morrison says, you know, he's the Lizard King. What's wrong with this? But, you know, she said that. And uh, and so I did. I forgot about it. Um, and, you know, I put a life together uh, taking photography at the city college there and and so on. And and uh, my life just kind of. Uh, I put something together and ended up, uh, as I always have, because being in the Navy, you got to move every two or three years and <clears throat> in the military. And so that's uh, what I've done all my life. I'm 70 now, and I've moved so many times that I, I couldn't tell you how many it is. Um, but uh, in... Uh, 1990, uh, I was back in San Diego, and I was working at a, uh, uh, a General Dynamics uh, in an office. And um, my parents used to go with all their cousins and brothers and sisters, and they'd end up at a uh, mountain spot by a river and pan for gold. 
and they love doing it. There'd be, you know, all these motor homes and trailers and everything, and they'd bring their kids, dogs, pets, whatever, and they'd all hang out. And it sounded like a real nice thing for uh, people to do. And uh, as they were leaving to go on this trip, uh, I was living out at the beach. Um, I was part of a street theater group and and uh, very active in the town doings and and I uh, <clears throat> I went over to say goodbye and uh, wish them luck on their uh, search for gold. And my father confided that he had uh, been given LSD at. Um, uh, you know, sometime earlier, uh, he worked for Grumman at that time after retiring from the Navy, he went with Grumman and went to Vietnam. He went to three wars and all doing his radar stuff. And, uh, he was telling me about this, uh, uh, being, uh, non, he didn't give consent to being given this LSD, and he didn't like it, and he, you know, but this is the first time he'd mentioned it. You know, when I jumped out of the car, or when I come home floating through the room or stuff like that, he had many opportunities to say something about this, but he didn't. But on this occasion, he did. About a week before that, my mother had been, uh, I was talking with her, and I told her that I, uh, was hearing voices, uh, you know, the V2K. And she, uh, her, the veins popped out on her neck. She got, you know, the scowl look on her face. She was just angry to no extent. And she said, are you hearing voices? And I said, uh, no, you know, um, I mean, I had already said that I was, and, and you know, it started with me hearing voices. I heard a, a rock uh, hit something, and before I could even tell that something had happened, something had taken place, a voice said, oh, it was just a rock. And at that point, right then and there, I knew I was in for it. Something that was that quick, uh, whether it was AI or uh, off-planet or, you know, uh, technology, you know, the United States Navy, uh, I don't know. But it was, uh, you know, it impressed me because it happened uh, their description of what had happened came out faster than I could take in that something had happened. And I thought, oh boy, am I in for it. Um, so uh, they died. They um, were on that trip and uh, they were the first ones up there. My father had some new uh ideas and he was always you know trying to invent stuff and and he came up with this uh idea that the river used to come through here and that's where uh we'll be uh digging and sure enough you know in their 
uh, pan in the, uh, their trailer, there was gold in there. So I think they were, uh, you know, finding what they were after. But, uh, you know, there was vomit in the toilet and, and uh, you know, just it was horrible. It was, uh, you know, both my parents at the same time. I was 36 at the time. And um, my, uh, you know, we had the wake, the funeral, the viewing, you know, all that, all the relatives all came and uh, they were quite popular in the family. So everybody was there. And, uh, you know, I walked right by the caskets during the viewing because I didn't want to see I had seen my brother Gordon after he committed suicide in 1974. And in 1990, I didn't uh, relish the idea of seeing my parents dead. So I went through the, uh, past the coffins into the back room. And my oldest brother came in and said, uh, you know, our, uh, my mother's oldest brother, uh, wanted me to go see the, uh, view the bodies. And I said, I don't want to. And my older brother said, well, I think you have to, uh, if not for yourself, for our uncle. So I went back in and I saw him and they were beat up. They had to be glued and taped and, uh, uh, wired back together uh, to even look human, which, um, you know, they certainly didn't look like themselves. And so uh, the vehicle had been brought back and there was no marks on it whatsoever. They said the tie rod was broken, but you know, there was no indication whatsoever that there was an accident. And my uh, one of my aunts that went and picked up the vehicle said that uh, the uh, the police report did not reflect what they saw at all. Uh, that it was different. And at first, they had roped off the seen as an accident or as a uh, a crime scene, a murder. Uh, their bodies were at the front of the car and front of the seats and the footwell. And uh, uh, me and my brothers just, you know, we didn't believe it, uh, the story that was promoted at all. And, you know, I still don't, you know, I think it was a hit. And uh, therefore, I think it was part of all of this uh, that my brother and uh, myself had gone through, and they were about to reveal or something like that, and and uh, uh, taken out because of it. Uh, and so after they died, we're in the family house, and uh, I'm there with my two brothers, uh, two living brothers and my uh, a good friend and and I feel this electronic leash put on me and uh, you know I'd never felt anything like that 
and I asked everybody in the room if anybody else had just felt that. Nobody felt anything, uh, but it was definitely uh, technology uh, attached to me. Um, so that's the MK Ultra. And I don't think it's ever gone away. I think once you're MK Ultra, I think you're always MK Ultra. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's CIA, but the FBI are the lapdogs of the CIA. And, and, uh, so I continued work in the aerospace industry and, uh, my new, uh, I had moved up to Los or uh, Seattle at the time, and my new employer, uh, we were making rocket engines for satellites. And my uh, our biggest customer was Lockheed Martin. So I was back with them again, uh, my father having been with them, and now it was my turn. And uh, and they had me working with DARPA in developing a uh, uh, client-based software reporting uh, device as well as uh, document repository. And I set it all up and and they were, they told me that they were going to use it on uh, uh, Lockheed Martin with all their suppliers. Uh, they were quite pleased with it. And uh, DARPA turned it over to uh, a uh, private industry, which is their standard. They do the development in DARPA, and then they uh, hand it off. And um, and that's where my gang stocking and uh, things started. Uh, it was going badly, uh, and I uh, I tried to picture myself as a nice guy. I tried to put my best foot forward, but, uh, you know, sometimes if you want your way, um, it doesn't um, always come across that way, and especially if somebody has a uh, particular thing they want to do. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of this turmoil at work. And, and I just, you know, I was getting to my wits end. I was really tired of it. And I walk outside, I go up to a gate, and I feel my heart stop. And I knew it wasn't uh, happenstance or you know, lack of exercise or whatever. It was a, a mechanical, technological feeling uh, where my heart stopped. And I just, you know, I've been through a lot of uh, things in my life at that point, And I just, you know, didn't want to deal with that. Uh, so I quit my job and had a friend that moved down to Mexico. So I went down to uh, be with her down there. And I was, uh, uh, you know, that was in 2000. And um, I stayed in Mexico for about a year and a half. And 
and then ended up driving down to Costa Rica. Um, not that I knew anyone there, but I was, uh, you know, after better waves, I was surfing in an um, adventure. And so I end up um, uh, being a photographer, a surf photographer, and uh, and uh, maybe in 2005, something like that, is when I had that uh, dream about the uh, doctors saying, oh, no, he's awake. And uh, I, uh, I, this guy came up to my, uh, you know, I was working for this guy, uh, he, uh, Spaniard, building this bizarre uh, uh, high roof uh, building out of, uh, you know, big poles and, and uh, very rustic. And so I was out roughing up these uh, poles, getting the bark off of them. And this guy pulls up in the alley right next to me. And he gets out of his car and he holds a GPS unit in the air. And um, uh, and then he smiled and got back in the cab and they drove off. So that's when they uh, got me linked up to the uh, GPS unit. Uh, incidentally, the GPS was one of my programs when I was at the satellite uh, company uh, building motors. Uh, so, uh, uh, in 2010, uh, the uh, uh, things changed for me. Uh, I was hearing things like, uh, you know, well, he's not taking it seriously he's just having fun and this is stuff echoing in my head like v2k and uh and i uh i started having arthritis to the point where i couldn't walk my feet hurt so much and i couldn't uh so that kicked me out of the ocean because you can't surf if you can't stand and uh my uh, uh, my back hurt, and you know I had a couple different. You know my elbow got real uh, bulby pus, or I don't know what it was, but uh, it was huge, and and all these things started happening to me, and um, so I stopped being a photographer because I couldn't carry my camera, and I moved to the mountains. Uh, little valley, big mountain uh, lining the edge. And uh, there I started having more of these uh, situations with uh, reptilian uh, where I uh, saw them uh, uh, you know, standing around me in a round room with uh, you know, four of them standing over me and putting their hands in my abdomen and, and, uh, you know, that was a dream. And then, uh, I was having these dreams where dolphins would come up and get right in my face and there'd be whales in the background. And I've heard that 
you know, the dolphin is the reptilian and the whale is the Draco and all this stuff. But the, uh, I ended up uh, moving several times up there as well. And I'm at this one place and, and I wake up and there's a, uh, uh, a reptilian with a big tall cape that came up so high I couldn't see his face. I could only see his protruding forehead, and it was uh, the same color as the other reptilians. And he started uh, uh, wiggling his fingers like this. So I started doing that because, you know, I've been seeing these things come over the mountaintop, a great big tube that came down all the way over to my head, you know, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, I guess. Uh, but I got scared because I didn't think my body would fit in, just my soul or whatever. And I uh, ended that uh, by, you know, saying no. I thought it might be interesting. How, how should I know? And uh, all these things are going on. And, and so I start wiggling my fingers for this who I call Mr. Fingers, uh, uh, priest, or I don't know what. And uh, he uh, he glides in uh, to right next to my bed, and he puts his fingers into my abdomen. And at first it felt good, and then I started feeling all my innards being tapped into and it didn't feel good and at the end of the bed i noticed that there was a catholic priest um and i looked up the color of his uh smock after that and it was u.s navy and uh this priest had one of those uh little blessing uh gizmos i forget what you call them but um you know, they dip them in holy water and they do that. And when the holy water is gone, they keep doing it. And everybody, the pre or the uh, reptilian or Draco, whatever he was, and the priest, they're all looking at my abdomen and all this stuff is going on. It's light outside. I can see everything. And there's kind of like a 10% or maybe 5% uh, opaque uh covering to it so i don't know if it's um you know a hologram or or you know some kind of projection i just don't know um but uh, um when i um when all of that happened i i figured i needed to get out of Costa Rica because it was uh, not to my liking anymore. And I was headed to South America. There was a, a priest down in in uh, Ecuador that I wanted to go visit. And uh, um, I started getting sloppy with my paperwork and I ended up in the uh, Panamanian uh, immigration uh jail uh in panama and you know of course there 
you know, as you're seeing the news today, all these immigrants are coming up there. And, uh, you know, they were from Sri Lanka, from, uh, you know, India, China, you know, several different, uh, mostly Colombian. Uh, but they'd get put in there and the uh, people from uh, East India would get moved right along because they were uh, seeking, uh, they were uh, refugees and the Colombians, they weren't as hip. And, uh, you know, if you denounce your government and, uh, you know, don't have a passport and all of that, they... uh, they do the paperwork for you and and you just keep moving along and you know i talked to one of these people that uh he had gone to new york after i had gotten back to the states and he had uh gotten up there and so that had been going on at that point but with me i was um uh, you know, they were keeping me. There was somebody in the cell with me, and and I'd wake up, and uh, the whole uh, uh, this large room that I'm in, open room, uh, everybody's crowded around me, and uh, I wake up, and there's a, a microphone at my face, and all these people that are just watching me, and um, this is. Uh, you know, out of this, out of the uh, MK Ultra into the TI, what they were doing is um, uh, uh, through sleep hypnosis, um, uh, asking me questions and so on and so forth in my sleep. And uh, you know, I saw it several times there, and and I. Uh, normally, they'd, it was very rare for somebody from the United States to be in a uh, in that facility, and they uh, they gave me, uh, you know, they they were going to keep me. There was somebody that was my perpetrator that would come in and go out and so on and so forth, and and. Uh, and so I ended up going uh, to a friend of mine, and and she gave me the money for an airline ticket, and that way I could leave. They weren't gonna. Everybody else, you know, they uh, put on their way. They, uh, it's in their charter that they, you know, would pay for somebody's airline ticket. But uh, you know, with me, they were perfectly willing to let me just sit and rot, and you know, become. Uh, you know, their tool, toy, whatever. So I end up back in the United States. I end up back in uh, Seattle. And uh, I go to the hospital uh, because I was, uh, you know, in uh, a first world country, I thought. And um, they were, uh, what I was trying to do is, uh, you know, what is it with this uh, thing in me? I felt it was a snake, and I wanted to get rid of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, in my book, I go into detail on all of this. I'm just trying to give you a, a flying overview uh, here. But they, um, uh, they did a 
เออเออเออ they did a a colonoscopy and uh, I came out of it with the feeling that um, you know I was real dopey and everything else and and I just felt that uh, they had uh, uh, been in there doing something and then I I had a uh, uh, a blood t- a uh, a bone marrow test. Where they took a piece out of my tailbone, and uh, and that one, a friend of mine came to pick me up, and I was two hours late, and uh, I think the whole time what they were doing was chipping me on both of those operations. Gosh, if you can avoid an operation, do those people are not nice, uh, and. Um, And so, uh, you know, I end up, um, I uh, I go back to San Diego, and and I have a, a, a situation with my heart, and uh, I had joined the uh, Medi-Cal or Medicare Medicaid. And uh, they gave me a physical, and in there I said that I was, you know, uh, weak of heart or felt like I was uh, weak in that department. And they gave me some tests, and and uh, uh, they said, "Oh no, you know, through X-rays, your uh, uh, sending aorta is, um, you know, too big," and. You know, so I said, "Well, how long has that been going on? This this is relatively recent that I'm experiencing this tiredness, and uh, and so uh, I go in for open heart surgery. They crack my sternum. They uh, do a a, a shunt a dacron sleeve around my ascending aorta, and they." Do a triple bypass, and they put in a, a cow valve, uh, aorta valve, uh, because I had always had a murmur. And um, and then I got on an airplane after I recovered, and uh, they put me in the secondary to you know wave the wand over me because I had metal in me, and I said I don't have any metal in me. And I looked on the screen, and I my whole side of my chest is all lit up, uh, you know. But they didn't put any metal in me. Uh, the doctor that wasn't their thing, you know. Dacron uh, stitches, I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, see if I can do this. This is, takes a little bit to find it at times. You know, uh, that's where my operation was. Uh, I looked down and and uh, I don't have an any anymore. My belly button is now an Audi, and I mean it's it completely different. And uh, you know, I get this thing on top of my head. Yeah. 
it's a little harder to find than what I would like. I don't, you know, I've done this once before just to, you know, see if I could find it. But, you know, um, so um, they chipped my, uh, the base of my penis as well. And uh, at times they will do a uh, uh, technological, um, you know, erection uh, on me that I'm, you know, just sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, I feel like it pulse up the shaft and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's going on. And um, so they just went throughout and they uh, chipped me all over the place. And, uh, you know, that's uh, so um, uh, the targeting is uh, uh, daily, nightly. Uh, and what they're doing is they're uh, getting my astral and uh, uh, my astral body, and they, uh, you know, all these dreams now, they're all synthetic. I have zero uh, natural dreams. Uh, you know, I mean, sleep is one of those natural things that uh, you're supposed to go home and, you know, Everything is uh, planned out that way for the human experience. But now I'm being put into all these scenarios where, uh, you know, uh, they're just plays that they put me into. Some of them are, are uh, you know, training. Uh, I see Nazis. We get into uh, gunfights and... and uh, uh, you know, I see them hiding, uh, you know, current day technology uh, Pepsi bottles in the hood or in the trunk of a car because I'm uh, seeing it and they don't want me to remember that, uh, you know, from my dream that I saw something that was today and not, you know, 1940, whatever. And, uh, you know, I... I'm in uh, elementary schools that are, uh, you know, for training and uh, in these dreams, these synthetic dreams. And and uh, this one, I'm uh, walking with some guys and I see somebody that's a perpetrator of mine. And uh, I say, come on, let's go get him. And uh, these guys are like, taken unawares by what I'm experiencing. And uh, evidently this memory, or I, I remembered having seen this guy uh, being bad to me and, and I chase him to his car and I uh, am pulling him out of his car. Evidently I broke his arm and, uh, and he shows up in uh, subsequent uh, night's uh, uh, false dream where uh, he's got a cast and, you know, they're, they're doing things that are uh, uh, just messing with my head and they're doing things that are, um, you know, that I'm seeing that I'm not supposed to be seeing. Uh, but, um, you know, a lot of it or a fair amount of it has this esoteric 
and technology and uh, connection. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, it's, uh, you know, it'd be nice to be able to say I thought it was all technology, but I don't, uh, you know, I just don't. Um, um, you know, there's plenty more. Like I said, it's all in my book, but, you know, the uh, 2015 is when all my uh, hospital work started. And, you know, that was during Obama, and I really didn't want to come back for Obama. I left for George W. because I didn't like his father, and I knew I wasn't going to like him. But uh, Obama coming on, I could see it coming. You know, I knew he was a bad one. And um, all the uh, Obamacare is uh, chipping. You know, and I've heard that and I've read it and there's, um, you know, my experience with it. Wow. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it it still goes on and, and uh, you know, in the dreams and, and uh, uh, you know, they have everybody involved. I was at my cousin's and uh, doing work there. I was on the computer and. Uh, people working for him would come in and out, and and they'd all be stacking up these uh, hamburger uh, tickets, you know, for free burgers on my uh, desk, and then they'd just leave them there, and they the stack just kept growing and growing, and and you know I came to realize that uh, they're not gifting me of all these burgers, they're. Uh, they're being paid for their uh, involvement in my, uh, uh, I don't know what sort of uh, uh, stocking goes on, uh, you know, reporting where you are, reporting what you're doing, you know, all these things. And they're, you know, everywhere I've traveled, every because I just keep, you know, my mother home keep moving around and, and they're just passing these things out to everybody so that they can get them involved. Everybody that's, uh, as I listen to them at night, they are, uh, by and large, Democrats, Bidenites, and uh, hate Trump and hate truthers. And I keep hearing... Uh, uh, whistleblower, you know, and uh, used in negative terms in my uh, V2K. I am clear audience. Uh, so I, and I also see uh, uh, things, um, you know, where I'll see them and, you know, they uh, come close. I'm, I'm sure they're looking at me on their computer screen, but I can see them, the technology that they've got, they're able to do, uh, you know, look at your uh, thoughts, uh, listen to your thoughts, you know, uh, give you information, uh, you know, frequency to uh, make you upset or make you scared or make you angry or all these different things. 
And I think they're doing that with the people that they're getting, uh, you know, to be my haters as well. Uh, the uh, crowds, I think they're they're being uh, messed with. They just don't know it. Um, Thank you, Ron. Yeah, did that Very answer good. your question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. What do you say we we ask some questions and we can go back and forth? And for these, let's keep these answers. Um, <clears throat> since I have a bunch of questions, let's try to, if you can, give a couple examples or keep it short. And then we can sort of go back and forth a little bit and have some fun answering some questions that people submitted. But, I mean, it just goes to show anybody susceptible to this. There's so many different ways that they target you know, for Tracy, this started later in her life to her knowledge to where you, you know, really started to understand that, you know, you were being targeted and experiencing this. Where with Ron, I know for you, it was really since birth, you were targeted, even if it wasn't, you know, through electronics as soon as you were born, like you were targeted from being in a family that was involved in government programs, you know, so targeting takes so many different forms. And, you know, the electronic element of it, the gang stalking, the V2K, these are very, um, very malicious and very intentional types of abuses that, you know, all walks of life can experience. So I wanted to ask both of you, um, and again, we can um, have a little bit of banter on this, but wanted to flow through some of these questions. So I think you both sort of answered this, but how did you know that, that you were being targeted? Um, let's, let's do electronically. Like what was the moment that whenever you guys first realized that and how did you, I guess, end up navigating that to, to understand that it was electricity. So Tracy, let's go back to you. Um, when was that for you that, that when that first started for you and when did you have that aha moment of, Oh, targeted individual, that's what's going on. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was maybe six months, I want to say maybe August of uh, 2020. So about maybe four, four months after. And it was, for me, it was, um, I'm glad you mentioned electricity because um, there, there is a grid component to this, you know, like you can tell like in your environment, um, like for me, when, so when I was in my hotel, um, I thought that it was like, coming from the little refrigerator. Like I was being, <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Like I thought I was being spied on through the little refrigerator. And then it was the, um, the control temperature control thermostat on the wall. You know, um, you, you can just tell based on the things that are happening in your environment, that there's something riding the grid. And I don't know how else to, um, but anyway, to answer your question, I had to do things like, um, uh, I would go to my car and get my sun visor, you know, the, the, the foil thing that you put and I'd bring it up and lay it on top of me in the bed in the hotel. And I didn't get relief from that. Um, somebody shared with me to go in the bathroom and try to sleep in the bathroom with the shower on high, the hot. Um, and then the, the condensation that would build up sort of canceled out whatever the energy source was. Um, extreme headaches. Um, heart racing, like you can, like, you literally feel the energy coming into you, paranoia, paranoia, fear. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. 
Yeah. How did you end up realizing that that you were a targeted individual? When did that terminology come up? Because I'm sure that wasn't, I'm sure from what I understand, you didn't even know that that was a thing until you started researching. So how did you end up realizing that that's what was going on? I don't know. That time was so blurry for me. Um, other than I think it really caught on when um, about six months out, I started to reverse engineer like the things that were going on in my life when all this started, like the hacking, when I was still in my family home and all that. Um, and, uh, and then I remembered um, when I went to the ER, which I believe the symptoms that I had were manufactured by the Lockheed Martin neighbor, you know, that was, I talked about in my previous interview. Um, so when I found out the significance of the test, that I was tricked into getting the EEG. Once they had my EEG, they have me like I'm literally their toy, you know, to mess with. I, but I didn't know that at the time till six months later (laughs) that EEG basically gives them the blueprint for me to do whatever they want remotely. Um, And then I think that's how I backed into finding out about the targeted uh, program. And, uh, And then I found out that Lockheed Martin, the guy that befriended my husband, that he um, is listed on patents um, for DARPA and the Brain Initiative. And when I did the research on the patents that he's listed on, and I see that there's a direct correlation with the technology he's, which is synthetic aperture, LADAR, and and how they use brain imaging, fMRI and EEG, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's sort of how I backed into it. Oh my gosh. Wow. And what about you, Ron? What was the moment that you realized that you were being targeted with electricity? Um, it was when my parents died in 1990, as I was saying, and I was sitting with my friends and I felt the uh, electronic leash uh, it's the only way I can describe it, uh, being set. And, um, you know, at that time I was really, I was, uh, head of a street theater group where, uh, president where, uh, you know, there were like 250, we were doing, you know, uh, shows in movies, in, uh, parades and commercials, television commercials, all this stuff. And, and that pretty much ended all of that, uh, you know, because what happens is you start losing friends. Uh, but uh, uh, the tinnitus started when I came uh, back to the United States uh, in 2014. And... Uh, uh, but, you know, with all the experiences that I had been having, um, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I was not able to pinpoint any particular direction for me to find out what the hell was going on. I was going to UFO conferences. I was doing all these things, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And uh, I uh, contacted this one woman. Um, I think it's Melissa Leslie. That doesn't sound right. But anyway, she uh, 
she said, oh, you know, after I told her what I was going through, you're a TI. She said, I don't do TIs. And their call ended right then and there. And, uh, you know, I thought, TI, what the heck is that? So I start doing all this research on what a TI was. And, uh, uh, oh, oh, I see. And so I start going to TI meetings and, uh, you know, seeing what everybody else was going through. None of them had uh, the same setup that I did, but uh, thankfully. But, uh, you know, everybody was going through some kind of arduous torture. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're they're also using something that um, I believe is called a squid. And uh, that's an a electronic device that's, a, 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 you know, I forget what it stands for, but it's, um uh it they use it when i fall asleep they turn it on and uh when i wake up uh you know it, it's got this armature that's turning and it's got to slow down so i i feel it being turned off but before that i'm all vibrating and and buzzing uh and uh that's not every night but it's uh, you know, um, at least once a week, and sometimes it goes every night. And sometimes they turn it off before I wake up, and I just don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah, that that's – and I was in Utah, and they had somebody that was um, – come in uh, from, I believe he said uh, – uh Afghanistan uh where he was working with the prisoners of war there and uh I heard a magnet get put on my rear bumper that was huge and uh um he said uh I've got to uh uh it's his subconscious that I want to do damage to and that thing bounced me out of bed. It was so strong. Uh, and I felt that a couple of different times as well. Wow. Jeez. Well, you both have very interesting journeys, how you stumbled on that. You know, I feel like even for me doing this podcast, I didn't hear about, I didn't hear the words targeted individual until probably like, a year, year and a half ago, and I've been podcasting for three and a half years, brand new to all of this. But it seems like more and more people are talking about it. But even like three and a half years ago, you know, two years ago, I didn't really hear that terminology being passed around a ton. You know, I might have seen it here and there. But I think it's amazing that both of you were able to kind of navigate that. Because although today, I think it's a little bit more commonplace in this community, even just a couple years ago, you know, I don't think it was even talked about that much in a more mainstream way, just in our community, you know, much less being able to to go online and figure out what's going on with you. And, you know, Ron, that's really fascinating that that you had somebody point that out to you for you. So you could be like, oh, what's a, what's a TI? I'm going to look this up, you know. So that's really fascinating. Thank you both for sharing. Um, so the next question sort of segues from what Ron was just saying. Obviously, there's different types of targeting. There's gang stalking, B2K. 
people have heard these terms, I think, but might not know exactly, you know, what does that look like for real life examples? So I know you guys have a million examples you could give of this, but if you could just give, you know, maybe one example of a couple different types of targeting, just to give people an idea of what, what that's like, like what is gang stalking and like, how do you, how do you know if that's happening to you? What's an example of that happening to you? What is V2K and how do you experience that? Um, what's a, a directed energy weapon and how did that impact you? And how did you know that that was happening to you? Or what's an example of being hit with one that somebody could maybe understand on the other side? And especially if they're going through it, they can say, oh, that sounds a lot like what I'm going through. Now I have the terminology for it. So let's go with you, Ron. Let's start with you since you were just kind of talking about that. If you want to give a few examples of specific moments of targeting that you've gone through so people can understand what some of these things are. Um, and then Tracy, you can go next. Okay, well, I already told you about which uh, uh, directed energy weapons they're using on me. Uh, the gang stalking, um, you know, there'll be somebody uh, in a grocery store that seems to be on every aisle that you're on, and uh, they don't have anything in their basket, uh, but they're paying a lot of attention to you. Uh, you know, they'll, uh, they'll be together, uh, talking about you and, and, um, you know, like I say in my book, I've got, uh, very good examples of that. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it's a good read, uh, uh, heavy, but, uh, good, um, the um okay so give me a short what was the list again the yeah i don't know if i know targeting. all of them yep like what specific for example you name gang stalking you name the directed energy weapons um what about say um different types of of targeting what else have you experienced aside from those things that that you've mentioned and maybe some examples of it or even other other examples of gang stalking, um, things like that. Well, you know, uh, what they're doing is they're, um, okay, so I'm down in Costa Rica. I'm at this uh, event and, and um, I'm, I'm feeling out of sorts. And I was for quite a while. Uh, there's this guilt cloud that's over me and uh and it's because of the energy that's being applied to me uh both electronic and uh uh humans humans have tremendous amount of of energetic skills that they don't know that they've got uh, and that's why pornography is a horrible thing you know not only what they do to the women or whoever that that is in it and uh, how they are abused, but how it uh, translates into uh, abuse in the, uh, uh, the supernatural that uh, we all live in. Um, uh, we feel these things that are going on. Uh, we've got a higher self and that, um, you know, is uh, affected by what we do here, and and it translates out. But the 
at this event that I was at in Costa Rica, this one uh, gentleman took a pair of divining rods and he held them up and he said, uh, okay, I need a volunteer. So somebody moved up and he said, okay, everybody think very nice thoughts about this person. Give him a lot of love. And so that's what we all did. We all just, you know, oh, he's good looking. He's, uh, you know, holds himself well. He's just, you know, an excellent person. You know, I wish nothing but the good for this person. And he takes his divining rods and he starts to walk toward the person. And he takes one or two steps and he's 20 feet from him. And these rods go boing. You know, they found water. They found the energy. And uh, he said, okay, so that's what it takes with, uh, you know, positive energy. He said, now everybody think bad about this person, just how horrible he is, how ugly he is, how uh, despicable of a person that he is. And, and so everybody did that and uh, just, you know, thought and thought and thought how, uh, you know, terrible this and he takes the divining rods and he walks and two steps, three steps, 20 steps. And he's finally gets within uh, a couple feet of the guy and the rods slowly open up. And that was an, uh, uh, an exhibition of what energy is and how it affects the human uh psyche or you know uh and um this is what gang stalking is and every time that there's um negative energy that's being projected and these people they talk to your friends they talk to your family they tell all these lies they get this case blown out of proportion that they uh, you know, all of a sudden you're the worst person this planet has ever produced. And uh, and that's what you get up and go out into the world to confront. And uh, like I said, it's in shopping uh, markets. It's, you know, uh, with me, it's not as uh, common uh, with other people. It's super common. That's terrible. It's. And that's why this is like so hard for people to understand because it's so covert, you know, yeah. that like even the people that you're closest to are deceived by you and they're, they don't even know that they're being brainwashed to not believe you. So it's like, you can't even go to your best friends. Like all, all your security just gets ripped away from you, you know, and, and no resources. And Tracy, I know you have some examples too. Let's talk about some specific examples you've gone through with gang stalking, B2K, with directed energy weapons. Do you have specific uh, examples to help people relate to what this would look like in real life? Yeah. So for me, um, uh, I, I thank goodness I don't get V2K, but I very much get something that attaches to my head um, that I can talk about what that looks like today um, later, but, but for, for gang stalking, you know, I only dealt with that for the first year, 12, 13 months. And, um, I dealt with it a lot at the airport because I was always trying to leave. Um, and, uh, but like I said, 
there was one particular time when I left Denver and the boots on the ground gang stalkers showed up in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky airport. But I dealt with things like, um, you know, I'd go into a restaurant, Waffle House, for example. I'll never forget one time I went into Waffle House to sit down to eat and um, the lady was being real nice, you know, real casual, whatever. Then the phone rang phone rang, she hung up, all of a sudden dishes started flying. They start, they spill orange juice on my lap. You know, they're like, can I take your order? Oh, and then they, you know, bring food. Okay. Like doing things to um, invoke anxiety. That's a lot about what the gang stalking is for is to, um, you hear about a lot of people, um, they have a trigger, like a trigger color where, you know, every time they go out of their house, they um, are inundated with people and with red shirts on, you know, because the color of red invokes fear and trauma or whatever. I didn't deal with that, but my trigger item was a, um, was a, uh, Dodge charger, black Dodge charger, because, um, the law enforcement, the, the, um, big majority of the county law enforcement for the county that I was exposing, they drive black Dodge chargers. And so the whole thing was my targeting kicked off with me being followed by a DAC a black Dodge charger everywhere I went, you know, to instill fear in me, uh, with Texas plates, mind you. And I was in Colorado and that case was in tech, you know what I mean? So that's the kind of stuff they do. Um, I had one time five cars try to run me off the road. I was driving from Denver to Boulder and, um, I had car five cars trying to run me off the road. There was one time when I was followed from the Denver airport to a local hotel and, um, I was too afraid to get in my car and drive. So I took a, um, shuttle from the airport to the closest hotel and uh, got into my room. And no sooner did I check into my room, I felt like I was being followed. I looked out my window, I'm sorry, the peephole on the door. And I saw a guy being escorted by two people in blue uniforms, same people I'd just seen at the Denver airport, um, escorted this guy into the hotel room next to my next to mine. And he had like a, what, what you see bug exterminators wear on their back when they come and they spray your house. Well, this guy had one of those on his back. He went into the hotel room next to mine, made it sound like he was turning on this spray in the uh, bathroom adjacent to mine. And then, uh, then the guy comes out escorted by these two people in blue uniforms and takes him out the door. Well, I went downstairs to check out guy was completely covered in tattoos from the tip of his head to the bottom you know, of his toes, um, including the white of his eyes. Um, one time, uh, I think I said that, um, that the guys pretending to be, you know, CIA or whatever at the airport one day or showing up in a different airport or ho- hotel, um, the next day, um, cameras, you know, always putting cameras on you, like standing in the airport, waiting through security. And there's somebody holding a phone, you know, like this directly. And and again, to your point a moment ago, it's so subtle that if you draw attention to it, or if you say, you know, why are you following me? You know, you were just in Louisville, you know, an hour ago. Now, why are you here at the Denver airport? You know, you're made to look crazy if you call any of that out. Um, Yes. One, um, one, one, another thing that stands out is, um, there's a big, uh, um, Arlington is the town adjacent to where that one case was. And there was a lot of speculation that somebody tied to the, uh, fire department 
out of that town was involved in this case. And uh, one of my gang stalkers shows up in the hotel with an Arlington fire department, you know, t-shirt on, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, the energy um, I believe is there, they go hand in hand. You know, I believe that the targeting boots on the ground, targeting stuff, and then blasting the target with these energies is absolutely intentional, obviously. And, um, and I believe, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people where I, I always want to know, well, what's, what do they have to gain, you know, from this, there's got to be something that they're gaining doing this. And, um, yeah, we can talk about that later. I have a lot of theories on that, but I don't think it's just, you know, you know, cause for me, I had that intense targeting for 12 to 15 months, but then um, it continued to evolve for a couple of years after that. And it just looked a lot different Didn't deal. It wasn't gang stalking. It was um, more the um, energy slash technology stuff that I dealt with that detox took care of. So let's, let's go into that, Tracy, since you just brought that up, that is a really good question to sort of tie in the why of this. So I'll have um, I'll have you answer first, Tracy, just because you brought it up. And then, Ron, you obviously have a lot of insight on this, too. I'd love to hear a couple, you know, whatever insights you guys have, some short answers on why. Like, what do they have to gain from this? Why, why would they choose? And maybe even why did they choose you? You know, why do you think that they chose you? What do they have to gain? What are some of your theories on this? Start with me or Ron, sorry. Um, let's start with you since you had brought that up. Let's go and let's let's just go ahead and do that. And then Ron, you can go right after. Yeah, for me, I I again I, I so I was always led to believe that it was because of my victim advocacy, you know, because I was so obnoxious, you know, in my delivery, my approach, the power, the people, the positions mm-hmm. and power that these people, you know, I mean, I I was reckless. And so I I I was always led to believe it was in response to that. But there were, I keep mentioning there were two guys that befriended my husband in the months leading up to this. And one of those guys came into my husband's life before any of those cases ever surfaced. That guy is tied to chemical biological engineering. He, his, his, his name is tied to the biological and chemical engineering department of CU Boulder. It's his name. It's, they call him team, team Weimer. His dad is over biological chemical engineering, CU Boulder. And he founded um, ALD Nano Solutions, which is a nanotech company used for biomedical applications. Okay. Now here's the kicker, even the biggest thing. He works in the energy. That's what he does, energy. And so when you, when you, you know those things, and then you, so that's the guy, the first guy who came into my husband's life before a case ever came up. And then the second guy, which is the Lockheed Martin, they were buddies. So it was the three of them, my husband and these two guys, knowing that they are tied to research in the very same things that was used to cause me harm. I I wonder, did it have to do with the case? And, um, and if not, you know, the why, I mean, I don't know, is it experimentation for where things are headed. I mean, I know we saw a spike in TIs post COVID, right. And with all of the, um, it's not no longer speculation, right. But the research that has come forward about the things that's in the technology that they're, you know, 
um, exposing people to through, you know, the bags. Um, I don't know. Is there more, is, is it part of some experimentation as a precursor to what's to come with human? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that these guys are involved with black ops, you know, technology that, um, that I don't know, Emma, um, You know, I think, you know, you think on, on one hand, there's this, you know, changing humanity to be part of the, um, you know, you know, what they're doing, you know, pumping us up with technology that makes us interact with smart cities and, you know, all that whole theme. But then there's the deep hop theme, you know, and I, and I always wonder is if the targeted program, um, if we could, you know, look at collect some data to find some commonalities across TIs, would we have like um, a large population in a certain age range, certain demo- demographics, you know, whatever that would make sense for some, you know, like Depop thing? Let's in, let's hit them with a bunch of um, frequencies, make them, you know, bog them down with a bunch of trauma, inflict stress. It's the perfect storm for the parasite whole thing and then the frequencies to activate disease and all that good stuff, which I just remembered Ron had mentioned something about history and historically how pandemics in the past have been, I don't want to misquote what he said, but um, have been triggered by an, uh, a magnetic technological advances. Yeah, technological advances. It makes me wonder if that's a big part of what's going on here, that it's it's hidden and we're not, you know, that's why um, data for the VAX isn't going to be available for 50 years, you know, because there's something bigger maybe going on that, because let me, let me say this too, that um, a big part of my journey, um, you know, I think reason why I, my perspective continued to evolve and get healthier as time went on is because I was dabbling in multiple forums that didn't, many of which didn't have anything to do with targeted, but, but they were dealing with the same symptoms that I was having, but they were calling it something different. You know what I mean? Like, like um, the spooky two, the rife healing that I do, you know, I'll be in a spooky, it's called spooky to rife machine. And I'll go into a Facebook group of people all over the globe that are looking for rife healing. And, um, because they're dealing with the ringing in the ears or, you know, the same symptoms that I've, that I'm detoxing from, and some are calling it chemical sensitivity. Some are calling it electromagnetic frequency sensitivity. Some are calling it, um, gadolinium, um, poisoning, which is the inject, it's the chemical that we're injected with when we do, when we go to the hospital for imaging with contrast, you know, they, they inject you with it's gadolinium. And, um, there's a lot of, a lot of people that, that are suffering, you know, from, from that exposure. So anyway, I, I just, I'm kind of rambling. Um, these are really good theories. It's a good question to ask because nobody really knows. And you guys have really both been on the forefront. You both like research arduously, you know, research, research, research. Ron, I know you have some interesting insights on this too. 
Um, so we, I think for you, Ron, like we kind of know why you were chosen to be targeted because you grew up targeted. You were in MKUltra, you know, you've essentially were indoctrinated into, you know, a lifelong um, journey of targeting from birth in a sense. But I wanted to ask you um, to piggyback off of, of what Tracy's talking about. What do they have to gain from somebody like you or MKUltra survivors being targeted? Why would they do that after they've already experimented on you? You know, what's the benefit to them after you're out of the program to keep experimenting on you? Um, so a short answer on that. And then also um, going off of, you know, the the question of what are essentially um, the, the types of uh, the types of targeting in a sense, or like, why, why are they doing this? What is their like end goal for all of these types of targeting? What's the big picture? So why, what's the benefit of targeting you? And then what's the big picture? Why are they doing this? What's the end goal? Uh, well, you know, they are being paid. Um, you know, they've got financial gain and, um, you know, these, uh, handlers would not stay with somebody unless there was reason uh, and it's you know the uh your neighbors your family members your friends that uh that do turn against you they um they're put into a, a sense of distrust and dislike uh but the handler is, you know, an employee. Um, I've found that uh, the CIA is the uh, top, the FBI is second, and the FBI uses uh, citizen informants, uh, the CIs, and they'll get those people out of jail and they'll, uh, you know, uh, they don't really have to pay those people. They've got something on them and they can keep them in abeyance to uh, do their bidding. And that all takes place there. Uh, but there's also, uh, you know, I look at it like we're the canaries in the coal mine. And uh, it's rather rude of me to say because that means that everybody's going to be going through this and uh you know that and uh you know if you see a canary fall over dead you leave the room uh but um what they're learning is uh what we do when we are tortured thusly do we run do we fight do we, uh, you know, and how can all of this be applied to the masses? Um, there is a continuance of the program and uh, more people, you know, whether it's Stockholm uh, syndrome or um, uh, what do they call the one that happened in in uh, Cuba or, uh, you know, that they're... Uh, 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 you know, in Medford, Oregon, they uh, uh, did some tests where they uh, uh, put a frequency into the air and they had a spike in suicides. 
you know, and um, they did spraying over San Francisco at one point, and you know, they're they're just trying these different ways of, uh, you know, handling uh, humans. Uh, you know, and anybody that's familiar with the World Economic Forum and uh, you know all the uh, bodies of its ilk are uh, know for certain that those people don't have us individuals as their uh, uh, what they're trying to protect or or uh, uh, do better for. Uh, they're uh, you know this. <clears throat> jab uh that they've done uh i recently uh was uh uh did a live blood analysis um with dr anna mihalcha in um uh, here in washington and uh i've got uh i didn't get the jab i did get the pcr the pcr is getting the um DNA so that they can keep a, a file on it and the jab is putting in uh uh microbots and uh in my live blood analysis I saw all these uh microbots and uh you know if you've heard much about that they also uh talk about the uh uh plastic uh poly formations that happen in people's uh blood uh and this is being brought to uh the light by uh morticians and uh the uh methylene blue helps uh cut down the uh formation of this plastic and um the EDTA uh chelation therapy uh it's a intravenous uh uh dose that they uh put into your system uh and you can't even get that in in uh california i know but i don't know where else but here in washington we've been doing that and uh so i saw these little micro uh dots and they're different colored lights and they're traveling in my blood and uh, so we've got the airplanes dropping all the uh, uh, geoengineering on us that's in our food and our water and our trees and our animals and everything. And then we've got this uh, jab that, uh, you know, three quarters of the planet got injected with that they're shedding it uh, through their uh, steam uh, vapor in their breath and uh, so on, uh, that's getting everybody else. And uh, these little dots are, uh, 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 they're forming uh, different things with within the blood. They've got technology in them. And, um, and so, um, but there's uh, this thing that the, uh, Pentagon has been doing for some time now, and it's called the uh, uh, Salient um, World Simulate uh, Simulation, the SWS, and uh, in that they're uh, they're setting it up so that they have 
digital uh, control uh, of every uh, human on the planet. And I don't doubt that they're also doing the different species, dogs, cats, and uh, lions and tigers, so on. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, we're at the top of their food chain and they're um, uh, assigning, and that's what's been going on in my astral dreams and uh, the plots and the uh, everything that they're doing with me is, uh, you know, feeding this uh, supercomputer with all this information uh, about uh, you know, what to do with the masses, uh, how do they react? And, uh, you know, the, uh, Stacy, I'm, uh, so happy that you've been able to get, uh, Tracy, I mean, I'm so happy that you're able to get away from this because, uh, you know, you've run your course for them. Uh, you're no longer a bad person to them. And uh, me, I'm just so far in that you know they're they're uh, once MK Ultra, always MK Ultra, and they're never gonna let me go. And um, uh, you know, but they are on this schedule to get uh, you know everything rolled out, and uh, the next couple of years are just gonna be uh, a lot of challenges. So that's pretty much what I was thinking. Great answers, you guys. Very aligned, even though you guys didn't talk about this prior. You know, the big picture seems to be kind of clear that there's just an overall global agenda that they're, you know, using experimental subjects for in order to unleash on a global level underneath our noses, you know, and it's disguised as this, we're coming to rescue you, you know, agenda with how you were both talking about different things being put into our bodies, um, and how, you know, everything else around us interacts with that from our food to the air, to our stress levels, to everything, you know, like Tracy said, it's really a perfect storm for a very unhealthy population in the future. Um, and even right now, you know, we're seeing health decline and health problems out, out, out the freaking window, you know, especially in America, depression levels, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, like we're really getting into a really dangerous spot, especially in a country that's supposed to have, you know, the best medical interventions. It's like, we've really lost touch with how to heal ourselves. And we're just pouring all this money and time into, um, authorities telling us what to put in our body, why to put into our body, how often, you know, and we're not asking questions about it. We're just robotically doing it. Um, which is really scary because we're not saying how does this, what's the implications of this long-term, not just for me, but for everybody participating in it. So it is really important that we at least consider that an option. I know none of us has the exact answer, but there seems to be, regardless of you know what a person has gone through, it seems like the overarching agenda is, is pretty much synonymous with almost everybody that I talk to, that there's a bigger agenda um, happening at play. And there's experimental subjects being used right now for it. So I really appreciate you guys sharing that. And to sort of piggyback off that, speaking of um, health, obviously a, a big part of this is the health issues that are experienced from things like electricity, from not getting sleep, um, from having uh, potentially things in, injected into you or having black goo, you know, like like you were talking about, Tracy. I'd love for both of you to talk about these health issues that that you've personally experienced, whether it's tinnitus. I know Ron 
talked about that, you know, and what that experience is like for you and some of the the physical, mental, emotional ways that this has taken a toll on your body. So Tracy, let's go back to you. Um, if you want to start this one and and talk a little bit about how this uh, how this impacted you from a health perspective. And obviously later we'll talk about how to sort of maybe reverse engineer some of that and some prevention. Uh, but let's talk about some of the ways that it's impact that it can and has impacted people and you specifically negatively. Yeah. So, um, so the, for me, my targeting had evolved over time, right? So it started out in 2019 as the hacking and computer stuff, and then it evolved into gang stalking and, and then the, 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 the tinnitus, which was from the, what I called direct energy at the time. Um, and then, you know, I had, you know, things sparking and hitting my laptop and I would, um, everywhere I went, I was causing power outages. I'd walk into an Airbnb to stay the night and the whole power would go off. We'd have to, you know, go out to the uh, breaker box and flip, you know, everywhere I went, every, went to 18 different cities and States across the country. And the, the, my experiences in that regard were consistent. Um, I also dealt with a lot of, um, in addition to the, uh, the directed energy or whatever, um, you know, I also had episodes at the onset of my targeting, um, of passing out. I had six episodes where I would, I had no explanation for why I just nodded and passed out twice while I was driving my car. Um, but I also, as I continued to get better, you know, May 2021 is when I started to detox and then started to get really serious about it in September of 2021. And then February of 2022, I got my Rife machine, you know, and then I got really serious about, about it. Um, and I detoxed for the better part of two years. But as I got further along into that process, it became very, very apparent to me that I was also dealing with something demonic. And, um, <clears throat> I say that because of, um, tangible results, <clears throat> excuse me, tangible results of, um, being, de- going through deliverance, you know, also in, in, in parallel with my detox where I'm fasting and I'm, you know, doing things with, you know, colon therapy and infrared therapy and rife therapy and, um, diet, you know, and supplements and all of that. Um, I'm also having people, you know, praying over me, you know, bride ministries and, you know, whatever. And I ended up having like tangible results in my living space that shows that I'm getting not just toxins and parasites and heavy metals, but um, dark spirits are leaving my body. Um, So, yeah, uh, I don't know if that answers your question. I'm not always the best at being. (laughs) No, that was awesome. Was there any other like health issues or did you have things pop up on your skin or brain fog? Like, was there any other symptoms health-wise that you got from targeting? So I had, so the very first black goo incident was I was in Chicago and that was in May of 2021. But then I moved to Arkansas and um, continued with the hot baths and um, the infrared sauna. And I didn't have black goo residue left in the tub, but um, I would, after I would get out of a super long hour long hot uh, soak in the tub the next morning I would see like a black sticky substance that would settle um, on the counter in the bathroom the back of my toilet so that went on for for quite a few months um 
but then I would say um, detoxing my symptoms got worse before they got better. You know, when I say worse, I mean the head, my head. Oh my gosh. I mean, there were times where it it got really, really dark um, where, you know, I thought I was losing my mind. I thought, you know, I was, um, and this was after I'd already started working, you know, and I was functioning in my job, but I had to go get in the bathtub twice a day to bring my conductivity down in my body. Cause I got, I became so conductive, you know, um, that the only way I could make it through my day was thank God I worked from home was to go submerge myself in the bathtub twice a day. So I could go back and work. Um, but just, it just got worse before it got better. And then there were layers upon layers upon layers. I, I say that because, you know, I encourage people, it, you know, it takes a TIs, you know, it takes the detox journey and process takes a long time. It doesn't happen over a week or a month or even six, you know, and in many ways it's a lifestyle change, but um, does that help? I'm sorry. I'm- no, that's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing Tracy. And what about you, Ron? You had mentioned tinnitus. What other, what, what ways has this impacted you negatively with your health? whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, um, how has this made an impact on, on you? Uh, well, I do believe that uh, detoxing is super important. And again, we're the canaries in the coal mine. And uh, the rest of you people out there should take heed. Uh, and that is in your psyche as well as in your uh thinking your your body uh your uh you know your spiritual inner life your uh just who you present to the world uh you are on uh we are on a hot griddle but uh the uh everything is being recorded everything is being um and they manipulate uh they do quite a bit of that actually uh but um yeah uh you know when i was in costa rica um and i did not have tinnitus i did uh have uh the v2k uh but i also had um uh eyeballs i would see uh eyeballs and it started uh uh before that in in washington state and uh during a a a psychedelic trip of mine i saw a i closed my eyes and i saw an eyeball and i thought well golly gee willikers what is that uh so i assigned um uh you know the uh, uh the higher self or even god uh to it uh and uh then i'm down in costa rica and uh, it wasn't as um uh it was an image that i saw in washington but it wasn't a, a full on uh you know human eyeball it was just an image of one. And in Costa Rica, I, I was seeing eyeballs. And 
uh, you know, one time I went to embrace a, a woman I knew and, and all of a sudden there was like nine of these things all clustered together. And uh, when I uh, left there and I came to the United States, uh, what I saw was uh, that the uh, the eyeballs had uh, been replaced with spots, and these spots are uh, technology. They're either black or white, and they're uh, uh, when I close my eyes to go to sleep, they appear. And uh, they only last for like three or five seconds and they blip, they turn off. Um, uh, my tinnitus gets louder when I am thinking something that they want to listen to. And uh, I'm not sure the technology that's behind that. I think that there's uh, both uh, AI and, uh, you know, physical people that are involved in you know, my situation. Uh, one time I got on to a bus and uh, there was a, uh, uh, it was uh, in Seattle and uh, uh, it was below the ground that I got on the thing. And, and when I'm there, I saw these two uh, men talking to uh, Natalie dressed black men and with black hats. And uh, as they were looking at me talking, one of them separated off and went over and said something to the uh, uh, policeman that was standing around there in the uh, underground facility. And, and he left and the guy came back with his friend and then we all get on the bus and uh, I go to sit down in the seat and lo and behold, these two guys are sitting right there, uh, you know, in the, in the chairs, uh, seats right next to mine. And, um, and I fell asleep. I wasn't tired, but I fell asleep. And when I awoke, there was a flash of of uh, spray uh, that went over my face, and it was real refreshing. Um, you know, it was summer; it was hot, and the uh, uh, the two black guys were gone. And across from me was this um, woman that was, uh, uh, you know, appealing to me and. I was going to say hello to her or something like that. I had a, a uh, uh, I looked out the window and I saw a sign that was uh, for a bus, the connecting bus that I needed. And uh, I looked over at this woman and, and she was uh, uh, like in a daze, uh, like a, a drugged daze. And she wasn't sitting there before. I don't know how these things transpire, uh, you know, but um, uh, she gets up and goes out. And, you know, I, I just sat in my seat and said, you know, I'll get the next connecting bus because I don't, you know, there's something goofy with this. And, um, and I, 
I actually think that these guys were trying to put us together uh, for whatever reason. Um, I think that's it. Wow. That's, you know, that's another part of it too. The, the stress of not being able to trust anybody, you know, that's a really stressful feeling having to look at everything that you thought was normal in your past and question it. And then also everybody that you meet in the future, wondering if it's a setup, wondering if they're sending people to derail you or to, you know, sabotage you somehow or to, or to get some type of blackmail on you or, or who knows, right. To plant stuff. Like it's really sad and scary, all these different ways and methods that they really put you in a corner and don't, don't give you any wiggle room to breathe. You know, you have to just be on alert all the time, be hyper vigilant, be always discerning, you know, and that's a really stressful way to live. So I appreciate you both sharing both of these. Are you both okay on time to do two more questions? I'm good. Okay. So the next question that I wanted to ask, we just went over some health issues. I'd love to talk a little bit about um, remedies, treatment protocols, prevention, coping mechanisms, and ways that you guys have personally found to get relief from the from the symptomology that you guys talk about. Because um, obviously, it's important to know what to expect and to be able to identify different things that could happen if you're a TI health-wise. But also, you know, you both are so big with talking about solutions and talking about, you know, treatment. And I know that there's not one treatment option. I know not everything works for everybody, but you two have tried a lot. You guys have researched a lot. So I'd love to hear your perspectives. And Tracy, I know you are essentially, you know, you're in a really good place now where, you know, knock on wood, you could potentially be free from this and you're not really experiencing the health issues and things like that, but it wasn't an easy road for you. So let's talk about some treatment protocols and um, what what worked, what didn't, um, and some different, maybe just some tips that we can give people on where to start. And I know something like a detox, that might be really hard to explain. Um, so if you want to just sort of breeze over what that looks like, I know you on your, your blog, Tracy, and I'll have that link, you go really in depth on some of these detoxes that you've done. Um, I even think Alexia, who has been on my channel, she's great. She offers uh, parasite detoxes. Um, so there's definitely some helpful stuff that you guys can like dig really deep into. But let's go ahead and dive into this topic because I think treatment, prevention, ways that people can defend themselves against this potentially is probably the most important thing. You know, that gets somebody clear of being able to then navigate their life and try to, to work around this or cope with it. Um, and you both have done a really great job of being able to navigate this. So let's go back to you, Tracy, and let's start let's start talking about the healing process of this potentially. Yeah, I think the thing that that's really important, an important thing to point out is um, you know, a lot of TIs um don't have housing, don't have steady housing. And um me obtaining that was I'm just so blessed and so grateful. First, I I secured stable housing where I didn't feel where I felt safe and I didn't feel that anybody was related to the to to, to the targeting. So that allowed me to calm myself down. Um, and then uh, and I know that's hard for a lot of TIs, but I feel like if we can't calm our we we have to be what's what our central nervous system is like overloaded with all the trauma. But if we can get to secure housing and calm ourselves down and then our mind, you know, if we, I had, I have such a heart and so much empathy for so many TIs and I was plugged into quite a, quite a few of them, but I had to disconnect from the community to just 
to long enough to get strong again. Now that I'm stronger, I'm reconnecting and trying to help others. But I needed to get my central nervous system strong and stable, but then my mind strong. And the only way I could do that is by not focusing on the problem, not focusing on the enemy and the circumstances and everything that was supposed to happen to me, but redirect my mind to the healer and healing and getting better. And at the end of the day, if it's people doing it, or if it's, um, if it's um, technology or whatever, it all maps back to evil. At the end of the day, you can keep going back and you're going to get to evil at the end. And so I don't want to focus that anymore. So that, so central nervous system, then your mind, but then, you know, just the, the detox, you gotta, you gotta sweat. You gotta get rid of an accumulation of years of garbage that we were told is good for us or not harm. You know, we need to clean all of that out and then um, replace it with the good. And, not just food and supplements and diet intake, but, you know, anything and everything that we are consuming, whether it be diet or what we're listening to or who we're associating with or what we're reading and you know, what we're filling our mind with, um, we've got to stay in the light. Because at the end of the day, you know, again, mapping back to the evil and the, the psychopaths that are driving this agenda, we're never going to be able to wrap our heads around that, Right. Um, and so, but what we can do is focus on, we can't change the direction that they're taking humanity. Um, but what we can do is change and impact ourselves and, and try to be the best version of ourselves in spite of the evil happening around us, if that makes sense. And, um, yeah. So, yes. And you mentioned like the rife technologies, what all have you used besides a detox what else have you found and you mentioned taking the thing out of your car the foil wrap that goes in the window what types of things have you physically used that were good for um whether it was prevention or you know your healing yeah i would say the biggest the key the key whatever you need to do to sweat and sweat a lot um so sweating I also, so I had a um, liver surgery and my gallbladder removed. So, so that's like a double whammy for my body's ability to fight off the um, chemical toxicity. But, um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, there are supplements that people can take that I learned from Lexi that I can, I have on my website. If you, if you don't have a gallbladder, um, ox bile is something that I, that I took, but this rife, machine. I'm trying to share it. Oh, this, what, is what is Rife? So Rifing. So this is the generator. This is the spooky two generator. And then my DNA is in this box that's hooked up to the generator. And so I got this in February of 2022 and I just set it and forget it. So I just, it's constantly detoxing uh, heavy metals and parasites and any other program I want to run on it. But that's like running in the background while I'm doing infrared or, you know, doing whatever I need to do to sweat or fasting, drinking tons of, you know what I mean? Like rife therapy. They also have a, um, a 385 day, um, Morgellons protocol that treat, cause a lot of, um, same symptoms of Morgellons are a lot of TIs have Morgellons or experience symptoms tied to Morgellons. So anyway, I've been, I started that protocol a week ago and I'm just going to let that 
Sorry, my cat is distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Tumbling around. That's adorable. <laughs> so anyway. Um, and then another thing, I, I'll just say this one, one more thing. Um, the David Case CD. So this is another incredible. Um, Ron, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but. Um, Recording. Yeah. So. So I'll, I'll just share what I think has got me to this place I'm at right now in Atlanta real quickly. So so I'm, I've been in Atlanta for five weeks. And um, prior to that, uh, so um, ho- the holidays, um, I backslid on my diet and, you know, and things like that. And so at the beginning of the year, my symptoms were just skyrocket. And so I um, about about. I don't know, the 5th or 6th of January, I pulled this David Case CD out again. And what is and, that? Um, he, you just do a little synopsis for people who have never heard of yeah. that. So it's, um, I, I think the, the website is, I'll get it for you in a second. I think it's V2K tinnitus or anti-V2K. Anyway, David Case created a uh, sound profile that you can, he he can put on uh, an SD card and you can put it in an MPP, MP3 player and it lasts for an hour. And then it just keeps replaying and replaying. And what it is, is it's, um, it's to the untrained, you, you, you would think it's just static, but it's, it continues to cycle and sound different over the course of an hour. And it continues to repeat. Well, he recommends that you listen to it for six hours a night while you're sleeping for 21 days. And then, um, it has healed a lot of people of V2K and tinnitus and things like that. Um, I did it. I slept with it for six hours for 21 days. And on day 22, my symptoms came back. That was about nine months ago, 10 months ago. But what I, what I have used this for that has literally saved me is um, again, when my symptoms were at their peak, I couldn't focus on, on my work. Um, I plug this in and I work and it seems to disconnect from whatever it is that's connecting to it. It sounds crazy, but I can feel it connecting to my head. Okay. Well, this stops it. This does not allow it to happen. So what I did was around the fifth day of January, I put on a sports bra, plop this thing in my sports bra, and then just put these in. And I kept them in my ears 24 hours a day, seven days a week, constantly for until I, and then I got to Atlanta to my mom's, which um, she's about so from Little Rock to Atlanta, about an eight hour, eight hour drive. And um, and uh, I got here and I was here for three days without this. And I was, no, I'm sorry. I did continue to wear this. I continued to wear this while I was here 24-7. The first time I took it out of my ears to get in the shower and I got out, that whatever it is, tried to connect with me again. So I plopped this thing back in my, and can continue to listen to it 24-7. Well, now I'm not, I haven't listened to this for two weeks and I've been completely free that whatever it is, has not connected to me. And I don't know if it's because I changed it up and I, I, I went against what David Case recommends, which is six hours a night for 21 days. And I used it during my waking hours when I needed to focus and concentrate and that has seemed to work. And when I say connecting to my head, what I've been dealing with for the better part of three years now seems very systemic and methodical to where it's like four days on, three days off. 
it'll, it'll come, it'll go. And it feels like, um, best way to describe it is it feels like I, I jumped into the deep end of a pool too fast and you get that pressure in your head and it's like, boom. Well, then a few hours later, it, it feels, and people will be like, well, what does demonic feel like? It feels demonic and it sticks with me for four days and then it goes away. And I'll have three days of complete freedom, just doing whatever. And then here it comes. Well, this has, I think my, I'm knocking on wood. I think I could be free from it. I don't know. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ron, what about you? What are some treatment, prevention, coping, all the things to, to get better? What tips do you have for people and what's worked for you? Uh, one of them is uh, non-GMO food. Uh, what we're doing is we're poisoning. We're not doing it. They are doing it. Poisoning our systems. And, uh, you know, every everything that you put in there, uh, you know, messes with your alkalinity and your acid and... Uh, uh, you know, your health, your health of your uh, organs. Uh, I've got uh, kidney issues. And uh, uh, a friend of mine said, uh, you know, using Chinese medicine, uh, if you uh, uh, make a broth out of itzuki bean, uh, itzuki beans, you uh uh, boil it from two cups down to a half cup and throw out the beans and drink the broth. And what it does is it cleanses your kidneys. And I was having issues. And um, uh, sure enough, you know, I mean, it got to the point where it was hard for me to get in or out of bed. And uh, using this to cleanse myself, um you know, the swelling has gone down on my kidneys because, you know, you can turn around and reach back there and feel them. Uh, And that's uh, uh, when they're swollen, you can definitely tell. But, um, you know, whether that was attributed to any of this stuff, uh, you know, I've got to throw it all in there. Um, The Tracy, it sounds like the uh, uh, the case uh, sound tape has had the most impactful result for you over the rife. And no, uh, no, 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 no. The, the the rife and all the detoxing and everything I did. I don't think this David K C D. If I hadn't have done that, this wouldn't have worked. I feel like um, this was the final like. Like the ice right. on the top or like the cherry on yeah. the top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Uh, I as well uh, detoxed. Um, you know, like I said before, I was addicted to marijuana and and uh, that was big um, as well as alcohol. And this is the MK Ultra uh, hangover um, that, uh, you know, I had stayed with getting out of my mind and uh, uh, but not doing that is huge uh, and uh, cleansing yourself um, you know whether it's <clears throat> uh, 
parasites or uh, whatever you're flushing, you're cleansing your organs, uh, uh, getting uh, as clean and healthy and and eating uh, properly um, is huge. Uh, you know, I have not uh, tried. I did try a rife, uh, but uh, it was only two times, and it was you know brief and nothing that I could. Uh, how much did that cost, Tracy? You can you can get the um, the minimum setup for like one fifty. Is like, that so? Yeah, and I I could I'll, I'll send you a link to what I would recommend just just minimal, and yeah. you can build build on it from there. Right. Okay. And it's, I can yeah. link that in the show notes too, if you want. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I've helped. Um, I, I continue to, to meet with TIs um, regularly, you know, that stumble on Emma's channel or, or somewhere uh-huh. else. And um, I uh, help people get set up on, on spooky. Like I helped a guy in Vietnam last Saturday get set up and he's, he's, so far getting results. So I'd be happy to help you with it. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that is something that I've wanted to uh, keep going with or get involved with. Uh, this, I got this because. Um, what is uh, that, Ron, for people who have. Well, that's the megaphone. Okay. And, uh, you know, the. Uh, Len Bear, the guy on targeting uh, targeted justice, uh, is uh, where I saw it. Uh, and he also says that uh, you should get one of these. Uh, uh, I forget what type of pen it was. Some uh, 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 electronic pen that you find the spot and you pinpoint it. And what they do is, um, uh, you know, because targeted justice is trying to take all this to court and uh, uh, they take the readings and the sound that it makes and they can determine what type of chip that has been put into you. Now, on my heart uh, rebuild, I've got the serial number and part number of the uh cow valve that they uh aortic valve that they put in me and uh with these devices here you can figure out the uh the pieces that they're uh you know uh inserting under your skin and then it's going to feed up into what the um uh, court cases that they're uh, dealing with. Uh, you know, I've got a problem with uh, uh, the way things are running in the United States right now. It seems like every time I try to uh, address something, I'm put on a different list. And, uh, you know, if I put my name on a I actually think my targeting started when I was working at Microsoft and I was given a, a questionnaire that uh, included, uh, you know, how do they treat their uh, client, their uh, workforce? And I mentioned that they were uh, not as helpful with 
contract workers, which I was, as they were with their other people, the Bennies and all of this. And and the, it created an atmosphere that was uh, not altogether pleasing. And I think that some of my targeting started because of that comment, me getting put on to another list. Uh, so I'm not going to get a hold of targeted justice and tell them what my reading numbers are, because I don't want to be put onto the list of people that are going up against the government that's doing the uh, targeting. Uh, you know, I'm on enough lists as it is right now. Uh, I don't need more of those. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, detoxing by uh, purifying, uh, you know, what I put into my body and, and uh, uh, you know, no intoxicants and, uh, you know, the mind is, uh, you know, it's so important to have a, a, a pleasant disposition, even though it gets difficult. I have seen people broken to the point of suicide. And, uh, and you know, I understand because it is very trying. But the, um, uh, you know, it's incumbent upon us to uh, put our best foot forward regardless. Uh, you know, that's our, <clears throat> our inner work, our spiritual guidance that's going to pull us through uh, because, um, uh, you know, we can't give up, but, you know, they've got all these suicide programs and everything that they're projecting and, and you just got to put that out, you know, don't even go there and don't fall into it. There's so many people that are badly affected by this. They're, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I can be real happy one day and the next day that it's so intense that it's not that easy. Um, yeah. But you just got to keep going and you got to keep being as uh, good to yourself and others as you possibly can. Great answers. And I wanted to, that sort of goes into the last question that I have today. And we'll have to do another one of these because I think there's going to be way more questions. And there's even questions that we didn't get to today. Um, but we covered a lot of stuff today. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys is on the the note of giving hope to people and in staying positive, it can be really hard for people to, I mean, you guys both talked yourselves about how many people uh, finances, homes, like you, you really lose everything when you try to come out and talk about this to people, you know, and I think that's one of the things that, that survivors or victims that are targeted individuals suffer with the most is that isolation that Tracy was talking about earlier. It's those really horrible, you know, tinnitus, like what Ron was talking about, just these constant symptoms and isolation and fear, trauma, trying to just get by to the next moment, knowing that something else is going to roll down the hill and, and try to plow you over, you know, like being in a video game, playing Mario Kart, and there's all this stuff flying in the road. And you're just you get through one, you wipe the sweat off. And oh, my gosh, there's another thing, you know, it's like, where do you get time to breathe? So for people who are going through this, who are suffering immeasurably, who maybe have family members or friends that they want to confide in, but it's really scary for them. 
Um, what's some advice that you guys can give to people going through this, whether it's how to talk to family and friends, whether it's how to get to that place where you can look at things positively? Um, what are some things that people can do to bring hope back into their life? And let's start with, let's go with Ron, since we were just sort of talking about that at the end of your conversation. Um, well, uh, I think your inner life is super important. Uh, you know, uh, when we're done here, uh, you know, uh, good Lord willing in the river don't rise, uh, we will go with our soul intact. And if we are indeed um, at peace with ourselves and uh, with humanity in general, uh, it's super important that uh, we go that way, that we're not in fear, that we're not in uh, anger and uh, everything that comes with that. Uh, and that translates to being that way daily. Uh, you know, I've got a problem of overanalyzing things and uh uh you know you gotta let go and uh just you know like pray uh praying helps me a lot uh because it gets me out of that mindset of you know oh woe is me or uh, you know, this person did that or that person did that and and uh, puts me into a, a place of complacency where I feel, uh, you know, like I'm uh, speaking upward and, and uh, you know, addressing uh, things that are more important than the day-to-day BS that we go through as a TI. that answer? Yeah, that's a really great, that's a really great answer. And what would you say, Ron, if you were to just give somebody advice on maybe how to approach, say, a loved one or a friend to tell this, tell this information to them? Um, and maybe you don't have an answer and maybe it didn't work for you. But if you could go back in time, maybe and redo it, knowing everything that you do now, how would you recommend that somebody have that conversation and not be called crazy? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, because uh, one thing that I have experienced is when I tell somebody uh, about what I'm going through, then they get approached by my handler, who then turns them against me. So uh, what you're asking is a very precarious uh, situation. Yes. What I would recommend is, uh, you know, those that are closest to you, uh, that you meter your uh, conversations about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm i not uh, one that's big on suffering in silence, but, uh, you know, people such as yourself, Emma and uh, Tracy and and other people that I know that are either MK Ultra or uh, TI, uh, they understand. And um, 
uh, waking up people that are so far asleep, I mean, in a deep, deep sleep, I caution that. It's so difficult. Um, you know, they, they're, uh, the and this is the biggest problem in that I call us canaries in a coal mine because other people don't know that they are being subjected to this mind control. You know, they're uh, watching television. I, they got the TV on 24-7. And uh, all it's doing is subliminal messaging everything uh, that, you know, here we are uh, talking about the effects of. And, uh, and everybody is... You know, they're whether it's uh, the jab or or what. You know, they just uh, they're willing to take anything in that that television tells them to do, and it's such a mind-boggling thing for me. Uh, you know, and that that I think is my biggest thing is turn your TV off. <laughs> just turn it off. Turn it off. Break it. Yeah. Break it. <laughs> Take it out back and shoot it. <laughs> Savage Ron coming on now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Tracy, what about you? How would you go back in time and talk to people? Or what what words of advice can you give to people to sort of maybe get motivation or, you know, just keep going throughout the day? Yeah, for me, um, I had to... I had to force myself to think positive thoughts because there is a, um, I don't know, Ron, if you've experienced this, but um, with the AI and the technology, there is a thought loop thing that oh, we yeah. can get. Yeah. And, um, and you intentionally get sucked into that negative thought loop. And it's yeah. like, you, you can't, you know, that you're doing it. You're like, but it's just, anyway, you have to make a conscious decision to, um, literally snap away from it. As soon as that you find yourself going there, you have to nope, redirect it to the positive. And at repetition, you keep doing that over and over and over and over. You eventually override that the negative. And um so so there's that. Um but then as far as um with explaining things to loved ones, this is that's the most devastating um it's all devastating. But anyway, what I had to do was, for, for example, my brother, you know, my I, I would have liked for my brother to have stepped up and been there for me. You know, he knows when I was literally getting attacked on the street in Colorado and he was in Atlanta. And if, if it were him that was going through that, I would have been on a plane and been right there and why he didn't get on a plane and come there, come. But I had to reach a place in my mind where we don't, they'll never, our loved ones will never, ever understand this ever. And you know what? They don't have to. I, and in fact, at the healthier I got and the more I realized that um, I needed to extend grace in their situations because why would we want to ask our loved ones to grasp this level of evil, you know, if they don't have to, you know, even my mom and to your point, Ron, it drives me nuts that my mom sits all day long in front of the TV all day and gets mad because I don't join her. <laughs> but at the end of the day, 
my mom doesn't need to know what's come. She's 77, right? So she doesn't need to know what's coming in future generations. So I had to get to a place where I pick my battles. What's more important to me to um, share and do life with my mom for the, however long, you know, God keeps her here (laughs) Um, or continue to butt heads or even go silent on each other because she can't grasp the level of evil I just walked out of. So um, you know, I think that there's, I, I do think that there's, and so I, I had to forgive her, you know, I, and my brother forgive them for, they don't understand. They don't know what, you know, they just don't. So there's, there's, there's that. But then um, I also know that a lot of TIs, and I, and I know it is true in in many cases that family members do turn, you know, but I think a lot of TIs conclude that their family members could be involved in their targeting because of that um, tug of war that goes on with them trying to explain. And then the family member doesn't know how to respond to it. And then it's interpreted and their their response is interpreted in a way that it wasn't intended. And I think we get in that you know, taking everything personally. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I also needed to realize too, that there's that whole Ephesians six, you know, where um, we're not, you know, battling with people that I also believe that there's some truth to the demonic, the spiritual realm, you know, inter- inter- interacting with those interactions with between TIs and their family members that, you know, the demonic gets all up in their business. And then, you know, before they know it, what, what they wanted to be a, a productive conversation ended up going belly up and they don't talk, for, you know, and, and I'm speaking for myself and we wouldn't talk for six months. So just learning that, that they aren't always, they're not going to be able to grasp the big picture and extend grace and forgiveness for the sake of maintaining the relationship. And that's how we, we conquer isolation being isolated and and all of that and it's not fair the ti's be like well why should i have to eat crud or why should i have to you know extend grace why is it but i don't know i i found the more like now there are ti's talking we have social media and there's communities forming you know you two exchanged emails randomly before you know i got to talk to you ron and you know there's there's different ways that TIs are coming out and saying, hey, I'm alone. I can't go to my family. I can't go to my friends. Or they've abandoned me when I did go to them. So I'm going to look for like-minded people, you know? And so I think that too is a really good outlet for not feeling alone is literally not being alone and connecting with people who are going through something similar. So A, it validates that you're not crazy. B, you have people around you that understand and see like what Tracy was saying, you're not necessarily dumping all this onto people who might not believe you anyways. Um, you can maybe, you know, let them know your symptoms. Hey, I'm getting tinnitus. And they can, they can be a part of your healing journey in that way. And, and hopefully have grace for physical symptoms, or if you're not able to go to family functions and things like that. Um, but I think there's a really beautiful community forming between the survivor community, the TI community, you know, it's all one and the same, but more and more people now are realizing that there's there's not a lot of people in the real world that you can go to, but there's a lot of people going through what they are that are more than happy to connect and who want that company and who want that dialogue 
to be in their lives. They want somebody to talk to about it. So I love that we're able to, you know, bring that together and that, you know, you two especially are so accessible. I'm sure you guys get people all the time that reach out to you and are grateful for your work. Um, and I wanted to see before we close, uh, before we sort of start closing down for today, did you guys have any closing words that you wanted to add about anything? I'm thankful that this is going on. Uh, I believe that our charter here on the planet Earth uh, in this incarnation is uh, one of of uh, uh, karma, and uh, we're able to really get down to our basic self and uh, what that means. Uh, those that are blissfully ignorant uh, in their uh, TV fog are, uh, you know, and, and I've heard it said, uh, as long as you have something that keeps you held, uh, then you'll never question what's going on. Uh you know, whether it's religion or family or drugs or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, this is an opportunity as much as it is uh, extreme drudgery. The duality of it. That's a beautiful thought, Ron. Did you yeah. have anything, Tracy, that you wanted to to say? Mm -hmm. I know you already said a lot, but if there's anything you didn't get to say, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Yeah, not really. Um, <clears throat> I'm sort of looking looking at my my notes, and I don't I don't think so. I think we covered okay. a lot of it. Yeah. Do you want to share both of you where people can um, support you, Tracy? If you want to go ahead and start, and let me, I'll bring up the screen as you're as you're talking. But you're on a couple different social media platforms. Yeah, so the uh the godsgirl.substack, so just g o d s g i r l dot substack.com is probably the best. There you go. Um and I love your your Substack is awesome. And if you're not able to see the screen you guys, she she literally puts like all of her different all the information, she has videos. You also have a YouTube channel, right Tracy? I do. Yep. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm God I, I, Girl with a Z. Yeah. And you're also on Twitter with the same name. I'm God's Girl. I am G-O-D-Z-G-U-R-L. And I will also have that in the show notes too. Is there anywhere else that you're at, Tracy? Nope, that's it. Thanks, Emma. You're welcome. And then Ron, where can people find your book? Uh Amazon. Look at that book, you guys. This is the best book ever. You guys need to get it. It's fantastic. I'm telling you, like it's meaty. So there's a lot in it. The thing that I really like about it is that the entire beginning is like um, sort of an appendix where it gives the definitions of a lot of keywords that he uses throughout the, the book. There's like a whole education in the beginning of the book before you even get to the story. And then Ron covers his story in depth. 
It's phenomenal. It's extremely well written. It's there's so much information in here. Um, Ron really did us a great favor by by creating this for us and for giving us this detailed outline of his family, of his targeting, of MKUltra. It's a really deep insight into his life, and it's going to educate you guys at the same time because it's it's sort of built that way. It, it shares a story, but um, it's really an education tool to learn about this stuff in depth and to get the terminology for it, to learn the definitions. Um, there's just so much in here that's that's really valuable, including photos. He has photos of his childhood and of different characters in his life and in different moments too. So it's really special. Um, so I'm going to have all of that in the show notes, and I want you guys. So please go support Ron and Tracy. They do a lot of volunteering their time. Just even today, they've they've spent like four hours with me. Um, so I'm super grateful. And there was so much information covered on this. They do this for free. A lot of their content is free. Obviously, Ron's doing interviews. Um, the most I can say is just please, if you're going to, if you're feeling charitable, if you're feeling like you want to learn more, Donate directly to survivors. Go right to their sites. Sign up for it. Go subscribe. A lot of that is free. Share interviews. Share content. Buy a book. Buy Ron's book and give it as a gift to somebody that that cares about this stuff or who doesn't. You know, help wake them up that way. It's really easy, really affordable. It doesn't take much effort on your end. I always get asked, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Go right and support survivors. Like go right in the show notes. Go to all the links that I post. Hit follow. Hit subscribe. Hit purchase. Go email them. You know, they're super accessible and uh, very, very good with helping. So I encourage you guys to please go support them. And you guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was an honor having both of you. My head's like exploding with information because this topic is definitely newer for me um, than a lot to just understand as a whole and to understand the details. And you guys painted in a lot of different lines for me that, you know, I had questions about too. And I'm glad that, that the audience asked some really good questions. So thank you guys so much for coming on today. Thank you. You're welcome. It was uh, interesting and provocative. And uh, Emma, thank you very much for your efforts. You're a shining star. Aww. It's a team effort. So I'm just doing what everybody should be doing. You know, you guys are the real heroes being able to talk about these really horrible things. I feel in society, the least that we can do if we didn't go through this stuff is listen and share and educate, you know, so I really appreciate you guys, and it's always an honor having you guys on and getting to talk to you. You guys light up my life and have such good energy, and and you guys fill my cup. So thank you for being here, and thank you guys so much for supporting and listening. God bless you all, and we will see you next time.